My name is Thomas Proffitt. I'm a filmmaker based outside Philadelphia, PA, and I'm looking to create a life for myself writing and directing films. On this podcast, I give my take on things as well as interview friends, filmmakers, and interesting folks about just about anything. You can find the full podcast catalog at ProfitableProductions.com backslash podcast. Profitable is spelled like my name with two F's and two T's. You can also find clips from my episodes there as well as my films. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Tom Profit Take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, no, it, it, it rings a bell. So we're, let's let's actually introduce oh, this okay. where we're going. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, uh, yeah, we got uh, Norman here. Uh, yeah. Hey, on, Norman, Norman West. On the Tom Profit Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, are you sure? You're, 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 mm-hmm. you're, you're hating on it. <laughs> you were like, Tom, I don't know about that name. I mean, mm-hmm. the setup looks amazing, but. <laughs> but the name, gotta give it some pizzazz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would it be? What do you think? Uh, name wise. Yeah. Ah, uh, you can do uh, the the profit bean, the pod bean, profit pod bean. I don't know if anybody's Something listening, that... anybody's watching. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think the name of the podcast should be? I, I I don't know. I felt I felt Tom Profit Podcast because it, it kind of I like a broad name in terms of like I can just mm-hmm. define what it means from doing it. But then again, I feel like it makes it gives it less definition for people uh, at the same time. Yeah, so I can understand yeah. that. Um, yeah, they they might be like, well, what is the Tom Profit podcast? You know, but yeah, yeah. no, I, I kind of just wanted to start it. Um, sorry, I'm just yeah, you're good. Making sure that the settings are right. Uh, I just wanted to start a podcast, and I, I've always wanted to do one. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling David this last week. I've like I've wanted to do one f- since before 2014, I think, or oh, not, no, okay. back, like yeah, back to 2015, 14, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I wanted to do a YouTube show before then, um, mm-hmm. or it would have been a podcast technically, but yeah, I just wanted to do one. And I, I always got like caught up in the perfectionism of, of like the reason why, like mm-hmm. it's uh, for the same reason I couldn't f- like finish a script or something. Like I went uh, through a okay. period where I just mm-hmm. stopped finishing things because I, I got so caught up in my own head about things about like, mm-hmm. like this needs to be perfect. The name, the logo, like like what it it's can't about. be wrong yeah and and mm-hmm. that's where that's what i got kind of caught up on and i think uh, yeah that's why for five years i went like without making that f- mm-hmm. any films because oh, of that and, really yeah that was why and feeding the fire was like the first one in years but then again mm-hmm. feeding the fire was so different from anything i'd done before and mm-hmm. that was a positive thing and it, it, it kind of just mm-hmm. i learned i took everything i learned from that period and mm-hmm. just put it into that and yeah no i just uh i think i mean even though it's yeah you'd go several years without doing anything it's like, yeah yeah kind of get in a rut but you learn like everything i learned is like it was invaluable because yeah. i i was failing at writing things and mm-hmm. and uh learning new things as i went and well yeah. it's like i kind of uh i tell my friends we actually um i'm part of a uh before covid hit uh there was a group of us from uh i go to playhouse west or i was going there learning like acting Mm -hmm. and uh we kind of wanted the one guy uh before he moved to philly he was from chicago so he did uh he studied improv at second city and um uh improv olympics there's like kind of some schools out there so 
he brought us together. He's like, if there's anyone, you know, from uh, the school here at Play, you know, Playhouse West, Philadelphia, if anyone wants to like join or make a little troop, I can teach you guys some improv. Um, so I was having this conversation with these fellas because we've stayed in touch since, you know, COVID. Uh, and we were talking literally about this, about kind of taking hiatuses from things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I definitely feel, you know, whenever you're doing something really intense or like you're, you're kind of, you're getting to the point where you're doing, whether it's a hobby or some type of craft or a skill and you're getting that tunnel vision, I have found like the most growth has come like it growth as in being better or more proficient at that craft or skill has happened after I've taken like a month off from doing yeah. whatever that is so intense. It's like, I, I feel like something subconscious kind of happens within the mind. Yeah. It's like a lot of, um, like there's a book, uh, on learning, um, by Daniel, I think it's Daniel Waitkins. I, I might get, be getting that wrong. He, he was like a, there, it, it was a, there was a movie or documentary called searching for Bobby Fisher. And I think it was oh. about that, the guy I'm talking about. And he wrote a book on learning and the, like called the art of learning. I think it was, I think it's Daniel Wakens or whatever. And he's like a, he, he was a chess prodigy and he mm -hmm. also became, and, and, and after that documentary came out, he, it, it ruined his ability to do chess because every, all of his, his focus was off. His game was off because, you know, he had women flashing him and he was just as a little teenager <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that all, that all got into his head and, and oh. screwed him up. So he, and he took up martial arts and all that. But one of the things from learning that he, you know, learned was like his all throughout his childhood, his, his family, they mm. went on like these, um, voyages, like on the, their boat oh, for okay, months. Yeah or weeks or months at a time, mm -hmm. I think months at a time and like during seasons and, and I think they wouldn't do any chess or anything. And, and all of his competitors would be playing chess and, and like practicing different moves and, and mm -hmm. he would spend months not doing any of it completely away mm -hmm. from, from his craft, mm -hmm. which is counterintuitive, right? Yeah. But he found that like the rhythmic waves and, and just the being away and mm -hmm. it allowed the distance is what allowed him to, mm. you know, rethink things and mm -hmm. and kind of take a big, big step back and notice bigger patterns mm -hmm. that his competitors couldn't, and that allowed him to beat them mm -hmm. and become better. So, yo, this is crazy. So to your point, um, right? So right now I'm working at like a cemetery, right? Yeah. So uh, when I'm driving back to the city, uh, like half the time I'll play music. The other half, I'll try to put a podcast on. Mm -hmm. Um, and on Spotify now they have like these things called Ted talk dailies. <laughs> and for the love of God, I can't remember the guy's name, but this guy was just talking about this. Um, and what it was is it was, uh, the title of the talk was like, can you specialize in a craft too early? And he literally, the argument was, is he took the uh, the classic uh, Tiger Woods, right? The 10,000 mm -hmm. hours we all hear about. Uh, he took that narrative where it's like, you start a craft when you're really young and you put as much time in as you can. So by about, you know, 20, 21, you'll be a master at that craft and you'll go mm -hmm. really far in the field. Um, and then his argument, which was the counter argument to that was talking about individuals that actually took more time to try more different 
you know, whether you want to call them hobbies, sports, crafts, they took more time um, kind of in their early years of life to kind of explore, develop, have fun. And he said these individuals, uh, you know, in the short term, the Tiger Woods will make more money, mm -hmm. right? Because they'll come right out of college or something. They'll have a skill set, a more developed skill set. But when you start to look at these people over the long term, uh, about like six years into their career, they'll quit. And it's because they find out they don't like it or something like yeah. that. Where people who end up, you know, exploring a, a bunch of different topics, you know, uh, earlier in their life and kind of delay the specialization uh, track over the long period of time, you'll see these individuals will start to excel further like in a long, long-term game than the ones that specialized early on. And he literally said, you said like a moment ago, right? Like something about like kind of big picture or something that allows mm -hmm. you to see big picture. He literally said people that do this then are able, like when you specialize, you're like kind of like you're staring at the thing like right here, right? Because yeah. you're so, you're a specialist at it. Where once you have more a broader base of knowledge, you're taking a bird's eye view at different things and seeing how they integrate into each other so yeah just i mean that's like that's the reason why um i work on i don't work on one project at a time like mm -hmm. i work on probably seven eight i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. like i i have i'm working on like a a product a physical product um which i don't want to go on go into on the podcast because yeah. uh um yeah, just for privacy reasons. And then um, I've got like some scripts that I'm working on feature from scripts, two mm -hmm. of them. And then I've got I've got like, on the side, I'll work on like, I've started working on sketches, YouTube mm -hmm. sketches. Um, that I also work on what is it I work on now I work on this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also doing the wedding videography. I'm also doing um, anything it could be a uh, designing um lo my logo or something mm -hmm. um it's or anything for the website or like like just any kind of project at the time and it's like mm -hmm. i i make it an effort not to spend like all my hours of the day that i can all the hours of energy that i have in the day mm -hmm. on one project i work on like i spend an hour on each of these projects oh, because i, I think it's mm -hmm. more important if you can spend five hours on like of on on projects of like with decent energy or, or more than that you know it's better to spend the, it's better to divvy that up on multiple projects because then they inform each other you know yeah. you have uh you know like like and, and it's on and honestly like i think there's a lot of i'm drawing a lot of similarities in these two feature films i'm writing mm -hmm. because of that and you know part of me is like oh is that a negative thing like mm -hmm. am i because they're are they becoming like the same thing i don't think they are mm -hmm. like i think there's a lot of similarities to me and they probably won't be as prevalent to other people when they see them mm -hmm. um and and over time they actually like i'm ch i'm finding ways to change them so that they are more different uh as something more recent that happened and uh but yeah no, it, you when i'm doing research when when, when i i started working on the world war ii film mm -hmm. i didn't you know you 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 need to do research for that yeah before that i i hadn't done a project where i felt like i did adequate research for it 
Huh. And, okay. and like, like, like I didn't like, I knew that I needed to learn my, develop my skills for as mm -hmm. a writer when it comes to research, that's like one of your tools that you need to develop. And World War II or like a period thing is the best way to kind mm -hmm. of strengthen your ability to research and realize how you research. Because my, like I didn't really know how to do research and then make it and find research that actually informed my piece, like what I was working gotcha. on. But I figured out and, I, and I've read I don't know, six, eight books. I've read, I've watched so many documentaries on World War mm -hmm. II and, and like specifically tailored to what I'm trying to do. Like I, I, I don't just watch any or documentary or read any book. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm very critical about how I spend my time or whatever mm -hmm. the right word is. You know, I'm, I'm very mm -hmm. conscious of how I spend my time. I don't want to waste it. I, I want to make use of it because you only have so much time you only have so much energy to spend mm -hmm. your concentration is limited and so i i really quickly make the distinction is this going to inform how much is this informing me as i read it or con consume it you know am i getting enough ideas that this is a viable thing to continue reading or whatever you know sometimes mm -hmm. it's like iffy but um for the most part i feel like i've I've done extensive research on like Americans and paratroopers and paratroopers and, and mm -hmm. D-Day. Um, I've done extensive research now on, on the French resistance because they play a role in it. I've mm -hmm. done now extensive a lot of extensive research on the German side. And that, that's really the, mm -hmm. the, where the, a lot of this interesting, like bread and butter comes from, because mm -hmm. it's, it, this film grapples with the nature of good and evil. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, I think, um, you mentioned back when we had a first, like a meeting a while back about, oh shit. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> All good, man. A while back, you know, you mentioned it, it'd be interesting if the, the Nazi, um, officer was like aware that he was evil. Mm. And I kind of worked on that. And, uh, I think it'll be, you'll, you'll find it pleasantly interesting when, yeah. when you read it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think um, just you, you, you get idea. I learned how to get ideas mm -hmm. from doing all the research. I didn't mm -hmm. previously know how to do that very effectively, but I, mm -hmm. I, I learned how to do research and get ideas from the research. And I realized that's where your best ideas come from mm -hmm. because you don't expect them until you do the research. They're mm -hmm. the most interesting things you you grapple from the research that, and you, you, there are things that you, they connect to what you're working on. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a long winded way of way explaining how that works. <laughs> craft but, uh, economics, man. It's all about the craft economics. But, uh, I, so I had a series of questions, um, mm -hmm. just to kind of help me jump off, like be jumping off points and whatnot. Yeah, of course. Um, how did we first meet? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I like I, I that. That would be a good, interesting question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dang, man. That's, uh, it's crazy. Is it coming up on two years now? Yeah, man. Is that it? <laughs> like, it so, doesn't yeah. even feel like two years. Like, holy poop. Uh, I'll try not to, I'll try to keep it clean, man. My, uh, don't worry about it. I always say, curse uh, all the fuck you want. <laughs> I got the, uh, the soul of a saint but the mouth of a sailor, please, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't judge me. 
<laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm peeking. Oh, uh, yo, that's but, funny. Yeah. yeah, no, we met. Uh, I actually, where did I see? I saw you. You put a. I think it was an audition. Mm-hmm. It was an audition, like casting notice. I'm trying to remember whether I saw it. I think I saw that on. Um, I think it was film.org. It yeah. wasn't backstage. It was uh, since we're in Philly. It was the local film site, and uh, I remember the uh, <laughs> the message was something like, "Hey, casting short film, uh, reach out if you want the script." I swear the script is great. <laughs> and if you're interested, I'll, I'll send you it. Yeah. It, <laughs> and, you, but it what what you uh the script was great, man. I was like, wow, this is really well written. And then I think um there was something about uh, like a phone call or something like that, you know, uh, yeah. leave your number, email me and then if if we're interested, I'll give you a call and then uh it was it was kind of a little later in the evening. Um, <laughs> you gave me this call and, uh, I picked it up and I was like, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you never really know how a phone conversation is going to go. Yeah. It's something about like, I don't know about you, but even so I, I kind of do sales now. Right. Yeah. And in sales, they call, you know, you got to do cold calls and my, uh, my sales manager, he used to call it when he was doing it. It was called the twenty, the black twenty ounce like monster because like the phones are that stereotypical black phone. You're like sitting there and you got to pick it up, but it's like it's something about. I think there's there's not a face to a phone, you know. That's a very archetypical, uh, mythical way of explaining a phone. I like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson lately sorry i'm, I'm oh you're good man you're i'm good. like is it gonna be casting too much green on us i probably shouldn't be focused on that <laughs> yeah. right now i'm sorry you're good you're good don't worry about it but um yeah so anyways right so phones they have this mysterious like terror to them right so you never know how it's gonna go yeah and uh i get this phone call from you and i'm like all right we're just gonna dive in let's see how this goes and we ended up having a 90 minute phone conversation i remember that now. i remember that yeah I, I didn't remember that and it started off about the script and then the script led to writing the craft of writing and then i remember bird by bird or something like that yeah and then we got into pretty much uh all the other things like being trying to be more entrepreneurial we shared common interests yeah, like yeah. temp tim ferris like the whole nine yards um so Holy it was kind of like a, a a preliminary business interview you know <laughs> yeah I, I'm glad I asked you that question because th- I completely forgot about those things. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, we, we did kind of get into all these different things. And I was like, oh, shit, this other guy knows, like, all this stuff that I know. I'm like, oh, man. Like, none of my friends know about that. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think that was, like, you were one of the first people where I'm, like, entering into this world of people. I'm like, oh, there's people like me out there that, that are interested in this stuff and, and, and aren't like, Tom, you, you are, you, you're so obsessed with this, like, like with this, whatever path you're on, like, like, why don't you, why don't you come and smoke a doobie with us? Why don't you, why don't you come and hang out and be, be unproductive with us? You know? Unproductive. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, it was re- it was really refreshing. I remember that after yeah. the phone call, I was like, oh my God. There's more people like me out there. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. No, it was a great phone call, man. And then I think after that, we ended up, uh, you told me to swing by this church to do a first reading <laughs> in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the church I grew up at. And I was using that as like the, the rehearsal space. And dude, it was legendary. It was a great rehearsal space, though, because it had like 
big round tables. Oh, oh sorry. Numbers. And um, I forget, like, I can't remember if the first meeting was just me and you or was Darlene at that. I, I just remember there was an organic nature that started to unfold where, uh, and I think this is a big lesson. And uh, I try to do this, like, uh, like I said, there was kind of this improv troupe, me mm -hmm. and these other fellas. I got to introduce you to them. I think you'd, mm -hmm. you'd like them. There's this one guy, Matt. He's like 34. He's a little bit of an older guy. The dude's like, he's he's just like, a, he's the perfect type of improv character. You know, this man in real life. Um, but one thing I keep uh, that I notice on my own personal journey, right, is, uh, you know, I ended up reading this um and I'm going to bring this back to what we were talking about, like the rehearsals when we first met on mm -hmm. uh, Feeding the Fire. Um, this friend of mine, uh, he gave me this uh, book called The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you've heard of it. I think it's, you, you might have mentioned this. Yeah, um, it's th yeah, it's kind of more of, uh, you know, it's uh, it has a more Christian background. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not specifically like the most religious practice right. i've done i've like been baptized so this was an interesting read mm -hmm. different than what i'm normal but um the book talks about and it's interesting if you stop and think for one moment at any given moment on the planet right there's only x amount of people mm -hmm. there's never you know it's not like all of a sudden there you know you're in this moment and then that moment there's like five times more people no there's only like a certain given amount of people on the planet at one specific moment in time. Mm -hmm. And that always was interesting to me because now when I read this book, it talks about how people, we all have a specific purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the biggest thing I know I struggled with on my journey, and I think slowly I'm getting a little better at it. I don't know if you've struggled with this, but it's like kind of finding your self-worth, if that makes any sense, or not selling yourself short on whatever it is you think uh, you're destined to do, you know, like don't sell your destiny short of anything. Yeah. And, uh, the reason I think this is important because like example right now I'm with, uh, there's these improv guys and I keep telling them like, guys, we shouldn't sell ourselves short of anything though. We're all new. That doesn't mean the qualities or anything we bring to the table or any less valued than like, you know, people on say SNL stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were at the rehearsal, um, you know, we were all sitting there and we're like, Tom, you can't like, don't just like, you know, don't just throw this on YouTube, like give it into some, you know, good festivals. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. There was something about like the script. Like we even had, uh, we were sitting down, like talking about the script, like what was great about it? What was good about it? And then I remember we made minor, there were like a few changes we made mm -hmm. that even made the script stronger than what it was. And everybody at that table came together not selling either one of us short of what we could bring to the project you know and that. ultimately i think we ended up having a a great end product you know and mm. uh I, I saw the final version of it it's like polished it's really clean it's awesome man and now it even was uh i saw it, was, it got into like a yeah, la film festival yeah, yeah nomination i think or something uh, so. yeah it was um i remember what you're talking about the we uh I'm trying to think uh it jumped out of my head um yeah we know we were um we so i i had kind of gone off the rails a bit um or let me wind that back actually mm -hmm. it started where we were in production and 
honestly, like I, w I just was watching some of the footage and this was back when I was shooting it on my old camera mm -hmm. and we had a different DP and and I just was looking at the footage. And I was like starting to come bring it together, get her to edit it. And I was like, oh, God, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I was just it just didn't feel like like that was we were two like a two or three production days in i think two mm -hmm. production days in yeah we shot the bar scene all that stuff we shot oh, the yeah, uber scene. there was originally an uber scene in mm -hmm. that film and yeah. we changed that that was one of the changes <laughs> we and it was it was like he was gonna like there was gonna be a deer in the road and that was like the thing that made him realize oh we gotta go around you know we gotta go back and and good thing you, you had the idea of changing it to uh, uh the ice cream thing which uh <laughs> it started because i i had that stupid line in there what's your flavor and honestly every time we watched oh, them right. every time we watched the film when i watched it with my family my, my my older sister's like did he just did she just say what's your like like did she just do, do me a flavor <laughs> and it's like yeah yeah we, we 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 went for it all the way and she's like it's pissing me off <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all right <laughs> but um we yeah, had no uh w the original course of uh production just i just didn't feel right but i was like i was committed and then the dp was like uh you know he had a something come up and he's like i can't do it anymore yeah and i, I think forgot about part this. of it is my fault because i i kind of it was like um what's that thing where where if you mm -hmm. if you if say somebody's getting stabbed and then you have like a bunch of people around nobody does anything because the the, the responsibility of calling 911 is diffused or doing something about it but it's 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 the bystander yeah the bystander so effect. that's yeah, a very yeah. gruesome way of explaining it but <laughs> yeah no. i did that on purpose <laughs> um so yeah basically yeah. the bystander effect in mm -hmm. um in that i i kind of like had two dps at the time mm. So like like I I was like afraid that he wasn't gonna be there for one day of the production. So I like got this other guy on board just in case because it was like a, a where we we paid for the location, and mm -hmm. if he just gypped on us, I was out two fifty dollars, and yeah. uh, you know I was, you know I was like oh, I'm not losing two fifty dollars on this location at the time. I was like oh shit, and so uh, we uh um so I, but yeah basically. I had this other DP and I think that gave him the green light, like, oh, it's okay. I can just leave. And so he left and I was like, I, I, I should, and that, and the other DP was, was the guy we went with was mm -hmm. Steven Jones. Yeah. He yeah. Did a great freaking job. Oh. I should have had him as the main DP to start with because mm -hmm. looking at the footage and it was like, it was great. Oh was, yeah. I know. He did a great well, job. He made it look, shout out to Steven Jones. Uh, hey man. Yeah, man. Yo. <laughs> if you're listening, I mm. doubt it, but <laughs> all power to you. Exactly. Um, you know, I, yeah, like he did a great job. He made it look like a film mm. and that's what we were really going for after yeah. the second meeting where, where we, you know, where the second go at it. Mm -hmm. um, but well, the first... I was, you mind if I jump in here? Yeah, that was, it. well, that was kind of one of the cool things is like, I, I forgot, I forgot we started like rehearsing in August mm -hmm. and then we kind of shot like a part of it and then it kind of, there was a hiatus there you know yeah and uh for different reasons like you said some of the crew was dropping out um i think another project came your way yeah i was meeting and up with this other filmmaker and, and that didn't mm -hmm. really pan out because i i felt like i was i wasn't really it, it just didn't ring true to me and i i kind of i, I blame myself for this mm -hmm. i was working with this person I, I kind of said yes to everything i became a yes man mm -hmm. because this person was way just seemed way ahead of me and like i was like all right you know like I'm, i can learn so much from working with this person but then i was like oh this just doesn't feel like me though 
And that's mm. something that's super important yeah. to me. And, and I think it should be important to other people. And mm-hmm. I'm, the more I learn about filmmaking, the more I realize, yeah, oh, good. I made a great decision not doing something mm-hmm. that, that was not what was... Well, yeah, no, I mean, I remember we would have phone conversations and you were like, man, I think I'm going to scrap feeding the fire. So I'm like, no, dude, we got to do this. We got to keep it, keep it together. And what's funny is like, though there was a hiatus, it was like, I don't think feeding the fire could have happened because there was like, like you had to go through a journey. Yeah. And then there were just certain people like, I don't even know if we had Darlene. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't have Darlene. We had other people. Which means we didn't even make the changes on the script that we ended making the changes on the script, like, which took it like, you know, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden tears higher. And, you know, I think there's a, it's an interesting thing. Like the universe just works in mysterious ways. And if you let it flow through you and uh, you have, you're just patient stay the course like it's interesting how things unfold man like like you said and and working with a filmmaker i i i mean as you know yeah i i kind of started going up the path that i didn't want to go but i i just learned so much and it and mm-hmm. it, it kind of made me up my game yeah because i was working with somebody who was like mm-hmm. who just i had to up my game mm-hmm. to kind of be going at their speed mm-hmm. and i needed that mm-hmm. of course on the flip side, um, after we did Feeding the Fire, I didn't realize that I was on this super, like, like ego trip at the time. And then I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a badass at making films. You know, I'm going to next we're going to do we're going to do a one take film, 12 minutes long. <laughs> And and we're gonna do it all on a weekend. I blame you. I blame you <laughs> for doing the idea. Of, no, no, I don't blame you. I blame myself. But you too, because it was your idea. Do it all in one weekend, which was a great freaking idea, by the way. Because because I'm glad that things turned out the way they did. Because I I wouldn't be spending as much time as I am now on my next films and as much care because. Of of I don't know if anybody can see the white hair in my <laughs> yeah, beard no. here because of how stressed out I was. I told David this last podcast, so people are if if anybody's listening mm-hmm. to this, um, you out there, you know. Uh, I think this is a good podcast podcast so far. So oh believe, yo, yeah, yeah. But if, if you're listening to the last podcast, yeah, I talked about this before. Like it was it was the fact that I this was an idea that I had years ago. Mm-hmm. I probably should have never made it though. Honestly, I think it started with the first mistake was it was it was an interesting idea, but I, my heart wasn't in it. It was a, it was a rationally interesting idea, not a emotionally invested oh, idea. Huh. Okay. And that's where that was the first mistake I made among many. And then I went and spent only a month when I should have spent several months mm-hmm. planning and, 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 and you were like, you had to back out. You were the first, you were going to be no. Yeah. And, I know. and, 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 and I was like, I was trying the, to get you to push it back. You, made you were locked in and I was like, <laughs> backing out before, but I mean, it, it, it wasn't that bad, but it, I mean, it was, it was, it was okay. Honestly, like, uh, it, it, it would have gotten a pretty good review from like a video production class yeah. like years ago for me, I think mm-hmm. probably. Um, and I, uh, or maybe I have no idea, <laughs> but it, 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 it honestly, it, 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 it checked the, the box of, you know, we got a film done. We didn't waste it. It wasn't mm-hmm. that complete garbage. Like it wasn't garbage. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of people liked it and, mm-hmm. and, 
and they thought it was good and and that was you know that's the testament to it, it was a decent it was a decent film yeah. but it didn't meet the expectations i wanted mm-hmm. and, and i and it's i know also part of it is because you know like like the lack of preparation mm-hmm. doing the shoot the next day after a five-hour rehearsal which uh, took all the energy out of me it was like being yeah. punched in the gut and then you got to finish a fight yeah. and and that were you still on your like bizarre sleep schedule no during this no this okay no no this before was, that okay before yeah right. and and uh and and basically yeah i went and 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 uh i think if i had a better sleep my better sleep schedule i would have did better but uh mm-hmm. i don't know but i think um that and doing it the next day was a terrible idea um but you have to learn mm-hmm. um and i basically yeah like like i but i you know i just remember mm-hmm. where it was five o'clock and we hadn't finished a like i think it was five o'clock and we hadn't finished a whole take and i was like oh my god it just dawned on me i was like 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 i was i didn't realize how hard it would be to maneuver all these Uh, parts and i should have i'm like it's a one take film Mm -hmm. and you have all these parts yeah i mean if we had it's all unfolding real time so if we had several days of shooting like Mm -hmm. like a week's weeks apart just so i could have my build up my energy again Mm -hmm. And then go at it again, and if we, if I had the people committed for those days, we could have made a a much better film, I think. Um, and and I think if I would have went back and redid it, um, and if we were to do the mm-hmm. original idea, I, I think uh, looking back, I wouldn't do that film. I wouldn't do mm-hmm. a script like that. But given if I had to, I would have. I think the concept of the script made for a a good short yeah. like 10 minute 12 minute like yeah it was interesting idea it, you know it, it was like, i didn't want to think not do it yeah and that was why i did it mm-hmm. but it, i think um where was i going with this um yeah sorry it, it, it was like if, if i could go back i would have storyboarded everything i would have planned mm-hmm. every shot with my camera there i would have done it with the actors or people mm-hmm. as placeholders you know yeah i would have mapped out every single shot mm-hmm. And and did and did that like, as if I was writing. Where I where I I I spend I allocate a, a so many hours just doing mm-hmm. that, in in you know kind of like the during the time that I would spend doing writing, where mm-hmm. you you're not distracted by anything, you're not out there on the field, you're in your like you're like in my my writing mm-hmm. area where I can just be in peace of quiet and and really just think deeply mm-hmm. and have deep ideas about shots, I, you know. Vivid. Clear. I, I had that for feeding mm-hmm. the fire, but I forgot that I did. I could, that, that's where the that's where the ego trip came. Mm-hmm. I did that entire film based and on it's... the original plan of the mm-hmm. shooting. Like I, I actually did all that shot planning that I'm talking about. Almost. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't do a storyboard though. I, I, yeah. I'm going to do that next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm going to go even more extensive with all the planning of the shots. Well, storyboards. I think sometimes people underestimate the uh, the power of storyboards. Yeah. Because like if you think about it, like they do the thing with them is i feel like they're they're painstakingly they take forever right but if you do a good storyboard there's so much information you're kind of giving your team right like uh not only the you know the shot itself how it's framed but then even like the composition if you're able to shade it with light Mm -hmm. so then now your gaffer can see what you're like what you're trying to go for you know i wasn't even talking Um, about that but that's right yeah. What I'm talking about is mm-hmm. is the fact that you act you have to face the canvas. 
mm-hmm. and you have to you have to invest that brain power in mm-hmm. in planning out your shots and and in doing that you 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 create a deeper relationship with the shots and mm-hmm. and deeper ideas come forth and and better ideas mm-hmm. i i went and shot that improvised be yeah. a, a rusty spade it was a it was an intentional idea and i thought this would be cool mm-hmm. let's do it yeah. and, and and i shouldn't have i mean mm-hmm. it, it was it was cool but it wasn't like profound it wasn't meaningful mm-hmm. and that's what was wrong with it you know i i basically did what worked logistically not what worked meaningfully and emotionally mm-hmm. you want the lighting and the camera angle to all mean something and mm-hmm. you want to really make the most of it and you can only make the most of it i think if you if you really spend the time planning mm-hmm. um like you like you spend in writing um so yeah like yeah. i think that was another thing like i think about that all the time now i'm like oh i wish i just but then again i, I then i remember so- oh if 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 I could go back at all and do that over again, I wouldn't have done that film. I would have just did a better film, like a bit better idea. Mm. Like I feel like the ideas I'm working on now are much better. I feel like they're mm. they're, I my heart's probably, more in it. Yeah, probably hitting something personal to you. You know. Yeah, I I think um like like the boys be boys and 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 the World War Two film they they just kind of I'm not doing them to prove anything to anybody. And that's what the that was another issue that was another mm. mistake I made. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was trying to do it to prove something to who. Mm. Just you know, if you want to really prove something, mm-hmm. don't try to prove something. Yeah. And and make a film that matters to you. Make mm-hmm. something that you do because you enjoy it and you love it. I think yeah, I think that it can even. I know we're specifically talking about films here, but I think that could be any craft or or even a great a great way to live life like don't do anything unless it means something to Mm -hmm. you you know if you're gonna go and take a hike make sure it's a hike that means something to you like what what is it gonna give you in return Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of to our point here talking about like films I, i think it's uh that's it's just an overall like good governance of life you know um and it's like you said, because then if it means something to you, you're going to take it to the next level to flesh it out, especially if you're doing a creative craft, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you want it to be not that you want it to be right, but you have a specific idea you're going for, if that makes any sense, yeah. because it's kind of riding close to close to the heart, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so and you're enjoying the process. Yeah. And that's and if you're enjoying the process, I also think, sorry, I don't mean to no cut you off. I want to, you know, I think enjoying the process, that's a good way to segment off. And what I was what I just wanted to add is I think it's also uh, it's important in regards to the team. You mm-hmm. know, if it means something to you, then it's going to mean something to everybody else because you're going to bring that energy there, mm-hmm. you know, um, where uh, I always used to think uh, I'd hear people say, you know, uh, if you want to get an idea off the ground, especially like in Hollywood, like it, it you have to believe in it, right? Yeah. Nobody else is going to believe in that idea mm-hmm. if you don't believe in it. But if you believe in it, then everybody else will maybe start believing in it because they're going to start to latch on to that energy, that oomph you bring because it's it's yours, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, I want to use that real quick to segue into this thing. Yeah. Um, like, like there, there's something I read today and I've, um, this is, I'm reading this from a, a, a book by a filmmaker. And I, I mentioned this in my last podcast, a filmmaker named Tarkovsky, um, mm-hmm. who, uh, I just, I mean, somebody, you know, 
turned me on to his work or I watched one of his films a while back and and the first time I saw it it confused me like at first I was like whoa this is crazy like every mm-hmm. shot is just beautiful like this is mm-hmm. and then like 40 minutes in I'm like 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 my brain was like being contorted because it just it, it felt mm-hmm. like I was watching an aliens like an alien who made films <laughs> yeah and it was a it's a russian filmmaker oh okay and and it's like but there was something you couldn't like you, you couldn't deny about it and and mm-hmm. it pissed me off because i was like mm, you know like like i you know I, it was my mm-hmm. ego at the time i was like like i know how to make films and this just spat in in the way that i thought mm-hmm. films were supposed to be made this is how the story should go there should be mm-hmm. like plot points there should be like a certain um development to the story all mm-hmm. these things and 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 it, then uh, somebody like was like yo they're like you know go watch it again or, or watch these movies more, more of his films it's like mm-hmm. you 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 went off the deep end you watched the film that was his craziest film and i was like okay mm-hmm. and i did and i and, and i the more and, and, I, and more i watched his films i'm like oh because i realized after the first time i watched one of his films it was so far out there that i just it it, it affected me in this way that mm-hmm. i never witnessed before with any other filmmakers and it just uh you know i i i took note of it because uh there, i'm uh, i've been taking martin scorsese's master class um mm-hmm. I, I took it many years ago and i took or a few years ago and i took it i've been taking it again recently too um just to refresh it and and he talks about how when you watch films um especially cinema like like i'm talking about real cinema i'm not mm-hmm. talking about marvel movies i'm not talking about like this movies that you see nowadays mm-hmm. i'm talking about movies by yeah. like like Kurosawa, like we're talking, uh, um, um, like great auteurs, Bresson, um, um, you know, uh, Fellini, you know, like, like, like real <laughs> cinema, man. Like, so I, I love how jazzed you're getting. Yeah. Like, and I, then there's me. That's a clueless wonder right here. <laughs> look up, look up, go on Criterion channel. Um, All right. it's a great, it's, it's basically Netflix for mm-hmm. cinephiles. For I'm, cinephiles. I'm, I'm, I should, oh, you know, it's okay. cheaper than Netflix and the catalog is insane oh wow like, okay. like you want to watch you want to mm-hmm. if you want to make movies like martin scorsese and, and watch movies that he mm-hmm. like recommends you watch so that you can make movies like him mm-hmm. go watch these films like oh wow i'm not okay. shitting you like like if i i think i've heard the i know of the great if i hire writer directors yeah. to like work for me one day which is something i want to talk about mm-hmm. i'm gonna make sure that they ha- they have to watch these films every once mm-hmm. in a while like like a few times a month like mm-hmm. like Check that's it. Mm-hmm. it's good it's mm-hmm. but you know so you know the one thing is you you want these films to work on you you don't want to be sitting there like studying and writing down notes fuck that you want to mm-hmm. let the films either work on you or not you want to just observe them and let, like he learned this him his this way because he couldn't mm-hmm. he like back when he watched movies like there was no rewind you couldn't go back yeah. and play back you had to you had to basically go to the theater and remember it mm-hmm. and and then go and and think about it see what you know how it worked on you remember different shots and then go watch it again and then you would realize like you thought that there was camera movement or you, you thought that that there that a shot was closer than it was mm. in memory but it was there's was a certain subtle camera movement or or sound effect or something mm-hmm. that was used to make it seem like it was closer or further mm-hmm. away and mm-hmm. and 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 you you realize how those different things play on you but that's like an example of things that play on you and 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 also i think not only that there's also 
the 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 mythology the archetypes the or not, or just the, the images the the um the deeper meaningful nature of of what you're seeing mm -hmm. that you're you may not understand fully but you yeah. know that there's something there it's it's mm -hmm. like reading it's like reading um biblical texts or mm -hmm. or ancient religions or or ancient mythologies and you mm -hmm. realize that they they have this effect on you like reading these like reading stories about like pinocchio or something mm -hmm. like these fairy tales like they seem absurd right but mm -hmm. we watch that we watch them we we listen to them we read mm -hmm. them with this rapture because there's hidden deeper meaning and our mm -hmm. brain is like trying to process it and on a deeper level than than mm -hmm. than we are conscious of yeah. and and it because consciousness only ex you know came about very recently in human evolution and and so you know there are things that are happening underneath the surface that we're not fully aware of and mm -hmm. i feel this happens a lot with these this filmmaker tarkovsky so that was a long way of explaining how you know <laughs> learning about this filmmaker nah, and, and one of the things that i feel like is so true and and honest about like what he's you know his way of filmmaking and, and i think this is something i'd hold mm -hmm. to other filmmakers is do what like is is do not ever stop pursuing mm -hmm. deeper truth yeah and if it's not true to you then don't make a film about it don't don't do anything mm -hmm. with it don't you know you should be you as an artist your responsibility and and, and mm -hmm. as an artist like this this is something that gets lost on today's artists i think um they call it the artist trap or i don't know if i think that. i, I know. know where you're it, going it's that Artists today don't realize that their responsibility is to make sacrifices to humanity. Uh, okay. They are completely no, other direction. I knew yep. you didn't expect <laughs> Their job is to completely self-sacrifice in order, like it is to make, is, is almost like sacrificing unto the gods. That's something that I, when I learned that from, from, from. So when you say self-sacrifice. It's, you have to, you have to go. exposing your value. You have to go through the pain of writing in order to write a good script. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You, if you want to be a great actor, you give a great performance, you have to go through the pain of giving that performance. You have to go somewhere that is painful. Live it out. Yes. And and and, and, and it's hard. There, mm -hmm. If you're going to do it well, it is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Like you look at any great actor like Daniel Day-Lewis, mm -hmm. you look at what he's doing, people respect him because they look mm -hmm. at what he's doing and they know, they don't yeah. know like how exactly the specifics, mm -hmm. but they know what he does is hard because mm -hmm. he's the only one who does it. Mm -hmm. Because he, he, you know, he, he's obsessive. He works at it all the time. Yeah. And honestly, he doesn't give a crap about the values that all these other actors, a lot of other actors think about, you know, mm -hmm. they don't, he doesn't care about the glamour of it. Usually yeah. or it doesn't appear mm -hmm. to be like, he, he seems like this honest, like hardworking down to earth person. And that's mm -hmm. the, that's, if you want to be a great artist, uh, what I've learned is like, like, that's what I've learned for me to be a better artist. And that's what has mm -hmm. made me a better artist is what the more I, dedicate myself to working hard at it and not really giving a crap about the the return of it mm -hmm. the better i do the better i art i create and and the and the, and and as a result what is as i see that happen i'm like who gives a shit about the, the end result mm -hmm. the less it makes me care less about like the the fruits of the labor or whatever bullshit you you <laughs> if you when you when you and and I, and it challenges me. I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah. If I can just enjoy the hard work of it, mm -hmm. which seems insane, yeah. and see that there's 
an intent that there's a responsibility to it. If you're not, if you want to do great art and be, be, be regarded, you have to separate yourself and stop mm -hmm. thinking self-consciously and stop thinking about yourself. Think about the art you're doing. And, 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 and this sounds probably crazy to people, but it's like, mm -hmm. there's, there's a truth to this. And that's, and that's, mm -hmm. and, and it's like, you have to go through suffering with art if you're going mm -hmm. to produce something good. And, mm -hmm. and the more you're, the less you're caught up in, in, in the pleasures of it, mm -hmm. the more you're, you're willing to, you know, face the suffering, the better art you're going to create. And that's, and that, that, that's like one thing that I've been trying to lean more towards. And I think, uh, I think like my sketches aren't a good example of that because I, I, I enjoy doing those. I mean, they're hard sometimes, but mm -hmm. like, but like, but the, the films that I do, the real solid, like independent films, I think people mm -hmm. will understand that. Like, and they'll see that because I like, like, like mm -hmm. my sketches, I do two drafts max of mm -hmm. the writing of the script. And, and, and yeah. I mean, I, I put some work into like putting it together, but like this, mm -hmm. these films, like this next film, I'm going to like, like every scene, like I spend like 20 drafts on average. All right. So there's a scene. point here. I do want to like, I, I want to ask you, yeah. cause I'm, I'm curious. Um, so I think, I think you, you, you talk about some interesting stuff, uh, good stuff too. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'm always, I always find myself, I think, uh, you know, through suffering teaches like good lessons, great lessons. Yeah. Um, I know somewhat doing this, uh, right. I'm working, I'm a cemeterian right now. <laughs> I have, uh, it's given me, uh, some, I feel like different perspective on, uh, how we go about. Um, how do I, I think crafts in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we talk about like, uh, you gotta be, you're almost like taking your knuckles to the bone and you're bleeding yeah. and, uh, right. Shedding tears. <laughs> and, uh, a part of me also feels like, a, a, I think there is a true grift in like, uh, if, if you do too much suffering, yeah. are, is it, does it start to damage the work? You know, where if, if you're able to find some type oh, of yeah, enjoyment you have to, like, in it, enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know? no, I, I mean, I just kind of put it that way as like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you have to. I mean, of course, you have to enjoy it. But I, I, mean, I know what yeah. you're saying. You don't, you don't want to be surface or superficial with but it, right? You, you got to be in for the uh, the deeper reasons of what you you do with uh what you want to do. But think, it, yeah, there's uh, all right. So so yeah, my sorry. analogy here. No, no, no. This is good because my question is my question was going to be. What do you think? Because uh, we both write, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what is your normal like? How many drafts? Like you said, you do twenty drafts. Oh, that's just right I, now. I mean, I used yeah. to do like two. Like, I mean, I, I learned from Bird by Bird, like Animat, do mm -hmm. three, but mm -hmm. I did two on like like mm -hmm. or or it was two before people read it, and mm -hmm. then like I would just do them based on uh, re rework some things based mm -hmm. on. Excuse me, but uh, like re like uh, like when it comes to like really yeah. Because a question I, I just from the ground up, it was two before, two. but okay. now it's like I don't know. It, it's somewhere between ten and and twenty thirty. Because I, I had a friend who also another good question we might want to talk about is like, what do we can what what do we consider a draft? Is it like you change like a paragraph? Yeah, and then is question. that a new draft, or is it like you change a, a fundamental part of the script, and then that constitutes for a new me? Draft? I like I consider it like where I just reread the entire like it's it's a separate writing session it's a separate mm -hmm. hour-long writing session gotcha. I, I i i 
I uh, I cushion my writing sessions with like four out power naps or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, you're like you're like like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did that. I, that was like a weird. No worries. I was like I just snake tongue the crap out of you. <laughs> like. But oh no. yeah, four hours. <laughs> I <love> four hour drums. <laughs> but no, I think um, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it for me like that's like an it's a separate writing session um and mm -hmm. then i each writing session if it's like a if it's a second draft and beyond first drafts i write the first thing like just verbatim mm -hmm. it's dog shit the second draft and on it's i reread what i wrote before before i mm -hmm. even change a word yeah that's that is super important to me now okay like i realized that lit mm -hmm. going or later on i'm like wow there's a lot of sessions where i didn't do crap because i didn't reread what i wrote Mm. fully you have to reread what you wrote for last session or what you haven't like like what whatever you wrote the last session yeah i know i, what, you have I to know, make sure you reread it re before it. you you start to get over i know like rebuild it yeah yeah like when i write i'm constantly I, I, like i kind of i take a, a long time to kind of get mm. pages down i mean not too bad I, I probably do like you know a session like five pages maybe mm. uh if it's an all-day session like maybe a little more but um uh, I know when, but but the reason I go so slow is I'm constantly rereading the mm -hmm. whatever I just wrote. To almost, I feel like it's almost like I'm, like I'm going to use an acting phrase. Like I, I a lot of, uh, I don't even know what to call my craft, right? I like acting, mm -hmm. I like writing. There's just so many curious things to sink <laughs> your teeth in, right? <laughs> but it's like we talked about earlier. I notice all these different crafts bleed into each other. Yeah. So almost like when I'm rereading, I'm like looking for the moments right and then like what is the next uh what is the next organic moment that should come about uh but the thing i i wanted to ask about the drafts is because so i read now i'm no aaron sorkin right i'm not i haven't sold like 70 million dollars worth of like a show or something like that but i remember i read something about aaron sorkin like he'll He'll, comp he'll do this, like, you know, the 20, 25 drafts, but they'll all be completely different, like completely redone. Yeah. And the thing, the thing I was wondering though, like, say, say you're writing, you do a couple drafts and then you're bringing it to people, but you're starting to, you're starting to find like the meat, right? Mm -hmm. But if you like completely redo each draft, it's like, have you ever heard of the ship? Like the sailing ship phrase, dude. I if read you, about this the other day. Like, yeah. like, like if you re, if you take all the boards off and then and then read and then re, basically as mm -hmm. things like deteriorate on the, the ship, ship, yep, you replace them until mm -hmm. it's a completely new ship. Is it the same ship? Is it the same ship? So that's I wanted to use the metaphor for when you're writing a story. Yeah. If you're interchanging the parts to the point where all the parts become different, well, that is it really. I can, and I can, what ship is better than the other? You I know? can answer that because honestly. That's why I reread everything at the start of every session. Mm -hmm. I, I so basically well, the way I explain it is is when it, I'll do it in the in the frame of a scene. Mm -hmm. When I'm rewriting a scene, or when I'm writing a scene. So so first off, my first draft is I go through the entire script, mm -hmm. like the entire story, and it's and it might it's not going to be long. Yeah, it's not going to be. It's like an outline. On honestly, it's like mm -hmm. my my first draft is not going to be. And I I try to get it done in one session. So mm -hmm. I'm going to pump it out, and it's going to be like super short compared mm -hmm. to like what the final thing is going to be as i rewrite and rewrite and rewrite second draft i basically reread the whole thing start to finish i examine 
the roller coaster I built. Mm -hmm. This is my analogy. <laughs> okay, I, I like I it. I look at the roller coaster. I send the cart down, it, and and it might go down the first turn or whatever, you know, and and then it might fly off the rails on the <laughs> on the third turn, and then I'm like, okay, all right. I examine it, and then I tear it all down. Or I don't tear it. I mean, it's still the the the, the script is still there. I'll reread it later if mm -hmm. I need to I go back to it. It's always there. Mm -hmm. I, but I I go above it, and then I enter a bunch of spaces, so I ha I can start from the top. Mm -hmm. And then I re, re re so I rework it and then and basically mm -hmm. it's like I it's like I tear down the roller coaster after seeing mm -hmm. how it worked. I build a new one. I try that one, I send the cart down it. It actually doesn't even make the first turn this time mm -hmm. or a second turn. So so it, it flies off the rails. And then I rework it and then and then I'm like, okay, it makes it to the fourth turn. Like like as mm -hmm. I rebuild it, I I I'm I mean I'm paying very close attention to what's yeah. working. Mm -hmm. And honestly there are things that will come up in a lot of drafts where I'm like, okay, that worked there, but then I re I'm like, I like that, but then I don't find a way to rework it into the next draft. Mm -hmm. But mysteriously, 10, 20 drafts later, I'm like, that line looks familiar. Wait, that's, or I know where it came from because mm -hmm. it, that's where it came from. I realized that there are it, like 20, when you get 20 drafts mm -hmm. in and you've, re-examined everything each time mm -hmm. rebuilt it from scratch and and really done it unselfconsciously where you're, you're just like just go for it you know yeah and 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 you get better at it or worse mm -hmm. or better at it and worse mm -hmm. and there, there's plateaus yeah but you get to a point where it's like oh my gosh it's so simple yet so mm -hmm. like complex or, or unobvious how I managed to work in all the all of my favorite lines in some way in a, in a mm -hmm. unique way, it's a different yeah. spin. But I managed to work in all the my favorite things almost from all the drafts I did, mm. and it all flows. Oh, okay, interesting. And that's what I'm reaching for, and mm -hmm. and and it gets to a point where I'm like, like things are so like. I, I like it so much that I'm like, and, and it works so well that I'm like, okay, that section there mm -hmm. is concrete. Mm. And once I'm like, w when I reread it and rework it, like mm -hmm. I, I reread it and I'm like, when I can't, when I stop having ideas on how to change it, that's when I know it's solid. Mm. And so I'll, I'll, I'll actually be going through a scene and I'll, I'll actually get like the first few lines the first half mm -hmm. done before the second half and that that stays solid and but i still read through it when i mm -hmm. reread and rework that scene i like mm -hmm. look at it i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get the pacing mm -hmm. i'm gonna start from reading it out loud yeah, there yeah. and that's important um like the first oh, time yeah, i reread read and rework it i i read it in my head and then go through it but then when well, i go to something. write it I, I, I read out loud because I, you, you, you get ideas from reading in your head first. And you, when you go through it and you read, yeah. look it over oh, the whole thing, you read it in your head. Don't say anything out loud. That's where you, you're, you're like listening. It's like listening yeah. to a person and, and not saying mm -hmm. anything, not thinking. And then, um, you, you get ideas from that. Mm -hmm. And then you re start from the beginning of that scene, read it out loud. Then you get performancey. And mm -hmm. you figure out what sounds good, and then you read it, and then, and then you're like, "Oh, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. This sounds better." Like, like, and and when you start when you start start realizing you're screwing it up, mm -hmm. when you you got to a point where you're like, "This is good," and then you start 
changing it and then it's like oh that was terrible like like it was working what was i doing mm-hmm. that's where you're like all right let's let's keep it you know let's keep it okay. i mean yeah there's probably like 10 5 percent like or 20 percent that might or 10 5 percent that could be changed theoretically yeah yeah but it's just it's it doesn't matter like it's it's already pretty good you know yeah and nobody else is going to spot those things that could be changed. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. me, because I'm so well. At tightly that point, involved it's it. almost like uh, there was uh, this. I had several thoughts I wanted to uh, mention here. No, you're good. You're good. I'm going to keep them in, in check. I'm going to come. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to swing it back around. No, there was a. Uh, I often thought about this, right? Uh, uh, in terms of like quality, right? Uh, th- if something's good, something's great. Something's like extraordinary. And I I think like no matter whether you're talking about scripts mm-hmm. or somebody acting or even if you're an engineer, right? I think once you hit a level of proficiency at whatever the, the end product is, it's working at a proficient level. I literally think when you when you're talking about you're getting down to that five or ten percent, that five or ten percent just becomes subjective at that yeah, point. It's you know, like, it's so you've already hit such a level, it's now just personal taste as to whether it's yeah. you know you get to that point and it's like it when you get to that last 20 percent that's where you spend you're gonna if you if you want to improve that you're gonna spend 80 percent of the time you only like you spent 20 percent of the to- time to get to that 80 percent done and then when you get to that 20 percent that's left that's gonna spend you're gonna spend if you want to perfect that you're gonna spend 80 percent more time mm-hmm. Of, of like like and that'll be the hundred percent of the time you spend you know what i'm saying yeah like, like it's There's like 20 percent also... to get where it is mm-hmm. now and then yeah. to get that to last 20 percent, you get mm-hmm. you gotta spend 80 percent more time yeah yeah and there's uh, i think there's yeah. a good a good quote to throw in here real quick is yeah. uh i took i was taking this elective it was a drawing class in college right mm-hmm. and this guy made like a profound statement my uh you know the professor my mentor mm-hmm. and he was he, uh, i forget what we were doing we were doing still lifes or something for the class yeah and his whole thing was like you know you want to start general and then move specific when you're doing a, a still life so you're working on the entire canvas at once you don't get like tunnel vision in one sec- section mm-hmm. and then that tiny little section looks really great and then, but when you look at the whole canvas, it's just like the rest of it. It's like what what happened? There's such a stark uh, yeah. contrast. But the thing he said that I thought was really fascinating is uh, going to this twenty percent. Right, you're you're going for perfection. You could like sink all this time in. Is uh, something I thought he said interesting was like it's more important to know when to stop. Yeah. When to then to you know keep going because you could hit something really great. And then if you keep going, you you could like, well, I don't know what the right word is, whether like rework it or you, you keep moving that all of a sudden now you've gone beyond the greatness and it's like a and spiral, you know? You know? It's possible mm-hmm. that I've done that with the script. It could be dog <laughs> shit. Dude, I think. It could be total dog shit. But mm-hmm. I mean, like 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 I was saying earlier, I think, um, and I didn't say this in the podcast actually, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it I feel like it has work on this feature script and these features, mm-hmm. these scripts, whatever I'm doing there, it has informed the rest of the work I do outside mm-hmm. the people have given yeah. feedback on. And, and that seems to be doing go- good. Mm-hmm. So I no, like dude, I like, I think, man, it's like one of those, it's like what we said is a journey, dude. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, you know, when you invest yourself so much, like you probably have like a, 
like, dude, you you could think it's dog shit, but somebody like myself, we read it, we're outside eyes, we're like, holy crap, this thing's insane. Because it's like, you put so much time and passion into it, you know? So. Yeah, that reminds me of, like, what I was saying earlier about, um, oh, I so want to have, like, a, do, like, a, a recording of everybody reading for the first time. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think that'd I, be I, awesome. So I think it would be you, David, Darlene, and I think Rebecca. I, this is, uh, Boys Will Be Boys. Yeah. Right? Do you want to? Should we dive into maybe like what kind of the idea, Basically, like a brief concept? Yeah. Just so, so if, it, if you didn't listen have... to the last podcast, oh okay. Yeah. All right, I, I dived in a little bit. It's probably not going to be very easy mm-hmm. to find. Basically, it's a film about. It's a comedy about a future world where men are oppressed by women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. We're finding uh, our manhood again. It's going to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Um, Tune in, ladies. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I think oh, it'd be so funny to have uh, of record us like reading it yeah. just to cause see I, first impressions. Man. I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. And I want to be there when people read it for the first time. Yeah. Like, like it kills me the idea of just sending it off to people just to hear like, like them say, mm-hmm. Oh, I was la-, like, like I sent the original mm-hmm. script, the short film yeah. to you. And you're like, oh, I was laughing in my car. I wish I was there for that, man. Mm-hmm. Like I would. <laughs> I want to be like Quentin Tarantino, who's like standing, sitting there, yeah. like, like, right, yeah, go page two, go, let's do this, let's go through the entire script. <laughs> he does that. Let's do it right now. He, he sits there in okay. front of the person. So who reads I, it. that's an interesting concept because I wonder if, like, would it? it now, I, okay, so maybe when you're at that level, right? Everybody, you, you have a, everyone's working at a, a level. Of, I don't know, maybe confidence at that point. Yeah. You know, I would feel like if somebody was like breathing down my neck, though. I know. Like, I know. I feel like the jokes, like I'd miss, like if I was right, I'm in my car, I'm like by myself. You can be so self-aware as to like, yeah, like you don't care. You're not self-aware. That's so you things are organically working off you. Where if like somebody was like, okay, oh, I wouldn't what do, do that. Th- I would be reading with you guys. They're like a, a dog with their tongue out. Like, uh, uh, what are you that's, thinking? That, 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 I was thinking about that because I was like, all right, that's that's probably the downside of it. It's like you don't want to, like, is that is it going to do you, like? I've never done that before. I've never had, like, I've never read a script yeah. of mine with, or had somebody read a script of mine in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, am I going to miss out on you guys getting that first impression that's a very deep impression when you read it alone, on your own? Mm-hmm. Should I miss out on that? Is that something, like, it's a big deal to miss out on? Or, I don't know. Like, like I, I mean, part of me wants to be there and, and just enjoy that first read with everybody. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get that from rereading it with everybody mm-hmm. and still get everybody's first impression, which is going to get inform their idea of it and, mm-hmm. and, and what feedback they give you. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. And probably so, the best thing to do would be like, uh, you know, when they would have those movie theaters, right? Like mm-hmm. the director, the producer, they bring in, uh, you know, a trial group. Yeah. And then they're in some like back room where they can see the group, but the group doesn't know they can see them. Mm-hmm like you just invite your friends over into like a living room and you got a one-way mirror there and you're like okay you know just take your time here's some tea and crumpets Uh, i'll be back like in a half hour so you just sit behind a room have the the field monitor just watching listening like oh my god they're they're laughing great yeah you got like your headphones on it's like oh oh that'd be creepy but uh you know i think you uh, get some real good data though you know what i'm saying (laughs) oh my god though i just want to figure out what's the best way of doing that but yeah like like uh, but also um we could use that as like behind the scenes or like special features 
And then there's also... I think no matter what, you, it would be a good idea just to, like, even if people, you give the script out ahead of time and they read it, like, just film, like, just be like, all right, guys, you know, read this. And then we're just going to jump in and have a first read, but film the first reading of it just to see... Because I feel like there'll be so much. Yeah, it's the first time forever, like like, Mm -hmm. like, together and read it. I think it won't be the whole cast though. Like it'll just be a few of us, and then I'll like somebody will have to fill in for other characters. Yeah. But um, oh my neck. Um, yeah, I think that would be the best. Like, that would probably be the best Mm -hmm. way to go. I mean, I'm not gonna like sit like like watching (laughs) everybody. I'm I'm gonna be sitting there reading it with you guys reading yeah. like the the, the 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 descriptions and i will say something as like an actor i definitely do will pr- prefer to get something ahead of time because like i know when i'm reading like if i'm like straight cold like the words flying out of my mouth or what i'm seeing for the first time like more often than not i have no idea what i'm saying that yeah that's you know thing. because yeah. i just like i i have no idea where the sentence is going i'm just if- like what if I read it to you guys? Like I just sat there reading the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. I think Aaron Sorkin does that. Like he'll go to the producer and like. But then they're, they're, you run the risk of giving line readings. Yeah, yeah. I, oh. See, I think it's it's one of those things. It's I think it comes down to the, like going back to your team, and this might be something worth touching base on. Is uh, so I I'm reading uh. Uh, I've read some sales books, uh, even some team books. Uh, this idea of you actually, despite what a lot of people say, you want to be selective about who you bring on the team. And what I realize is it comes down to trust, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you, you, it's almost like that leap of faith. You just got to give it out to people and then trust that they're going to come in with honest, true feedback about what they think. Yeah. And they're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, I think it was a... Uh, well, no, yeah, yeah. I, you know, you know I'll pr- what I'll probably end up doing, though, is just having everybody read it. And then mm-hmm. and then we'll get together and just laugh about it. And, yeah. Uh, that's... It's like one I of those things, like... I think that's what's most important. I think, honestly, man, it's it's like that thing, right? Uh, uh, there's so many things, like, now that I've, I've been doing sales for a bit, right? Uh, to be a great salesman, all you need is a great product, right? Mm-hmm. Let Let the work sell itself mm-hmm. so uh you know i think no matter what craft you do if you if you're passionate and you keep doing it and you ju- it gets to a point you truly believe it's great if it's great like people will come in and they'll they'll be like oh my god i love this one it, this part was so funny mm-hmm. dude i was dying on this other this <laughs> section right here you know like it'll just you'll know you'll know what's working and then sections if they're not mentioned right but you thought they were going to be funny then maybe those are sections as a writer you know us as writers those are good sections to keep them oh nobody brought that up like ask people about it and then i think yeah that could be a um, section to revise if if we go through the script like Mm -hmm. like the second reading i think like everybody reads it for the first time and then they i think they they will remember the first time they read it and then Mm -hmm. they'll be like oh this is funny Mm -hmm. you know like i think that'd probably be the best Mm -hmm. and then so that we we get together the second reading and then we read it and then and then we, you know, joke about it as we go through it, and and um, <laughs> and then and then yeah, like just, and, and and also from doing that, I'll be able to kind of mm-hmm. figure out like a sense of like the pacing, like when things kind of get slow or whatever that I didn't mm-hmm. notice when I did it when I read through it myself. Yeah, you know, you learn that when you watch films that you made or sketches mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like. Um, it's like I was telling one guy like I, I, when I write, I think there's. And this probably is true about 
just about any craft you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about yourself. Um, I know myself, I feel like there's a point you can almost self-diagnose, right? Yeah. You put things on the page. I, I wanted to ask you, do you use Final Draft? What is your... Uh... Yeah, I, so I use Final... Oh, uh, so far, I use, I've use i used Final Draft. Is it um, 9, 10, 11? I have no idea, oh, but okay. I don't write in it. Like, I... I actually use Google Docs. Oh yeah, you told me about this. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't believe in writing in in script format until like you you want to turn it's it into script fascinating format. Fascinating philosophy. Because it's it's such a drain on your brain, dude. Mm-hmm. Or at least for me, it's like yeah, I, yeah. I do what's natural. And mm-hmm. for me, that was that's just. I, sometimes I don't even write who says what line, <laughs> which is coming back to bite mm-hmm. me because I now have to go back through the, boys oh, new boys yeah. and figure out all right who says yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I realize that now, I, but I think I, I did that intentionally because I was like, if I don't know who said it, does it matter? Does it, it's almost like there's a, I think Stephen King does a, he has a great philosophy here. Somebody once asked him, yo, do you write your ideas down, you know, for, for books? And he was like, no. And they're like, really? And he's like, yeah, because the great ones stick. Yeah. You're not going to forget them, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think there's truth to that. Um, reason I asked about final draft was, uh, going back to my idea of self-diagnosing in final draft, there's like that note button, right? Mm. For those of you that don't know, it's a screenplay. Uh, it's like the industry. Yeah. Screenwriting software puts it all, uh, formatting. It's almost like the word document of screenplays. Um, but in that, uh, in final draft, you can do that note. It's like Mm -hmm. you add a script note and it like locks that on that line, like a note. Yeah. I use that all the time, like when I'm starting to, especially on a first draft, like, right, you'll, you'll write something and then all of a sudden I'll be like, ah, this, it's like, okay, you know, and then I make a note, like revise, here's some thoughts, maybe, you know, think about changing and it gives like an awesome, like breadcrumb trail Mm. of things. Cause there's, I don't know about you, but sometimes on a first draft, all of a sudden there'll be like a scene. It just comes out like a gem and Mm. I'm like, oh, this I don't want to get rid of this. So, you know, I don't note it. And then that way, when you've, you know, when I finish my, my first draft, there's like this breadcrumb trail of areas. I think you should really, you know, I'm able to relook, mm-hmm. um, after I've let it sit for seven days and I'll, I'll literally, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I, I'll literally like write my thought process into it. Like if, if it's dog shit, I'm like, like in the, in the fricking whatever you want to call it, manuscript, script. Mm-hmm. I'll write, like, like I'll say the little character's line, I'll be like, ah, that's bullshit, I'll write it in there. <laughs> that way I know. I'm like, all right, this is, this is some bullshit like this mm-hmm. happens. I'll, like, I'll describe it in general terms, and that's when I know I haven't figured that shit out at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'll put, um, like, yeah, I'll, I'll basically, like, basically, if it doesn't feel like it's coming out, like I'm talking to a person. Yeah then something's wrong like like that you're basically making the process of writing of 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 which is you know um synthesizing thoughts into words that people unpack into Mm -hmm. meaning on their end yeah you're making that harder when you work Mm -hmm. on a work on a a screenwriting software honestly Mm -hmm. i i've thought about like like the other like earlier today i think i thought what if I didn't like, like, what if I didn't format things into screenplay format? Because uh-huh. 
I like like I've done that like like I always write in Google Docs and I always mm. I don't do Google, like 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 screenwriting format until the script is done. Like like mm. when the script is quote unquote done, yeah. Then it's like all right, now I got to take all this like try and copy and paste it and format every single damn line individually mm. in Google like in in final draft. Like I literally have to copy it all, mm. go in there and then, all right, this line needs to be a, a character. Like, I have to draw, do the drop-down menu mm. for that one. And then I have to do, like, enter-enter, so, like, like, move shit around. Every line. And I, I have 70, like, 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 however many pages this next script is going to be, I got to do that for every line. And I'm like, do I really want to do that? Like, and it really comes down to, I think. But, do, do, but isn't that, like, the point of Final Draft? That if you just start there, like, it puts it... I don't want to. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't like I don't like script format. I fucking hate it. It doesn't feel natural to me. That's I can't write in script format. Yeah. It, it it's it seems cool when you're writing it. You're like, oh, I feel like a screenwriter when I'm writing it. Mm -hmm. It's pretentious. Pretentious. <laughs> I hate it. Like it, it needs it needs to feel like it's coming out naturally. Like like I don't want to think about how to format things as I'm writing it because then I can't write good shit. If if like I literally. I if I'm gonna make a change to like like here's the thing I'm gonna then do all that and then format it and bring it in the final draft and do all that manual shit then uh, and then copyright it that way then when everybody rereads this reads the script and it's like oh this is great then gives me their feedback and then I gotta change shit I'm then gonna go back into Google Docs rewrite it there and then figure out all right what stuff did I have to, do I have to change and put it in there or do I just want to <laughs> redo it re-manually put it all in i have to it, <laughs> Yo, it makes it so complicated process. it makes it so freaking complicated because <laughs> i hate it i hate writing in, in in script format i mean i i started that yeah. way but i don't do it i don't do it anymore i don't like it and honestly i think maybe for the next two films i'll write i'll do that formatting thing yeah or, or but after that i think i have enough credibility where i don't need to have that bullshit format <laughs> and people can sorry i'm spitting that people, Yo, you're good you're people good. will 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 know that i'm a good enough filmmaker that they don't need to like know that i do form like like freaking industry format to be taken seriously <laughs> i think that's all that's the only reason i'm doing it is because so people are like oh this is this is a serious project because if they see google docs and it's like it looks like a word document and it, and that's a, that's what it looks like people are gonna be like this is amateur but <laughs> if you read what i write you're like oh this guy's better than me <laughs> you know that's yeah, what yeah. that's what it's gonna be like like this guy writes better than me but i'm bet your ass i do <laughs> yo you're a pretty <laughs> solid knows? writer man but I, it, it like like the writing will be good but it's like why the fuck does this idiot do it in google doc why does it look like a word document this lazy piece of shit because i write it that way that's how i write it and i don't want to put it i don't want to manually go through the entire thing and, and have to like oh it's, it's a it's a headache i've done it for every everything that i've done for well, the last yeah, few when, years i gotta say when you're copy and pasting from google doc like i've had to do but that wait, on different scripts like even if they're in the same format but because i can't open them in final draft to edit like i'll have to copy and paste dude that's a pain man like there is a positive side to it there is a positive side that you're like okay well you get one last time one last chance to look for typos and okay and, and gotcha. reread things and it's like oh don't want to change that and then and, and you you do get that but i don't know if it's worth it honestly <laughs> yes. i just want to do it in google docs and not even format it with script Yo, format. okay you know okay. what they need to you should like 
write to Google and be like, no, no, you gotta... no, not even that. I don't even, I don't want to look at a script format. I don't really, I just want it. So I just want to do whatever what? my font style is. I want to just, and then I want to put it. Is it the point of like a, like a screenplay format though, to like give you a sense of uh, how long, like, maybe like how long Probably. your end runtime, like well, a I mean, page I've, a minute. Right. So but I, I know. I, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, and I, I agree. That's a good point. I didn't think about that where I did, but I don't care. I just don't give a shit. <laughs> Mr. Pretentious. Dude, I've, like, I've read like, screenplay formats so I've, pretentious, I've done... but I don't care. <laughs> Mr. Pretentious. I've done, like, I, I, I know that what I've written is probably going to be in the ballpark of like a little under an hour. Like if mm -hmm. it's, if it's 40, if it's like 30 pages that it's usually like, like 10 pages in what I'm doing now is usually equivalent to 17 in minutes. In, in, yeah. Gotcha. I know that from doing feeding the fire and that's, <laughs> just... that's my barometer. Okay. You know... <laughs> doing it the way I do it. That turns into a 17 minute film. Bam! I don't need screenplay format to figure yeah. that out. All right, uh, maybe other people do, and, and if I want people to take the script seriously, yes, I need to use the format. But if if <laughs> your if outside make, producer's just gonna if know, to, if I get to a point yeah. where like my films are big, yeah. I'm done with screenplay format. Fuck it. <laughs> like, I'm going... Or no, no, probably We're going to have the but new no. profit format. Yeah, it's the profit, profit format of screenplays. One page equals It'll seven be, minutes. I'll, make, I'll create a masterclass on it. Yeah, master... But, you know, I think... I, I, I thought about this, though, because I, I, I realized this... My net, my third feature film script, which I have this idea for it. Mm -hmm. um, and don't talk, don't talk about the, the one... The other World War II thing we talked about. Oh yeah, don't no, talk no, about no. that on the podcast because that's something I don't want to. I want. I don't want people to know about. Um, it's under the radar. It's, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I have the rights to it. Um, I have a special set of skills. So 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 basically, I have this other idea, and I it. it I feel like it, it's something that probably won't need. I, I I'll have to I'll explain it to you off the podcast. Okay. Um, so many things I want to talk about off the podcast. I don't want to talk about on the podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to like, keep it focused. Maybe I feel like that is something where I'll start doing like like that for that script. I probably won't even do it, like because mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a bizarre sh film. Yeah, idea. It's like the whole formatting thing is like I don't I don't even I don't even think if I did it in format that it would be an accurate representation of how long the script would be, the film would be. And honestly, I just don't, I don't know. I just, I think, I think at that point, if, if I've made these two other films, I feel like people will have a track record of my work and be like, all right. Like, and, and I think I like, I kind of like the idea of like being, or it seems attractive to me, the idea of being kind of unassuming, you know, being somebody who's good at what they do. And then mm -hmm. it's like, I'm just going to scrap the, the, the bull crap like exterior that like makes that people use to look professional, which I think like mm -hmm. for screenplay formatting, like the, the industry standard can seem like that at times, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. why did they do it? And a lot of people do it. And it's like, just because that's the industry standard. And that's like, 
it's professional it seems professional and it's that's why i do it because it's like i don't i want people to read my script and think oh this is a professional production and it is because yeah, that's yeah. what it is if i give them a word document that looks like like a like a like a like an essay like they're not going to take it as seriously and i think there's like a subconscious thing so it's really a question of yeah. do i want people subconsciously not taking it as seriously because i don't do the formatting thing it's a little bit extra time a little bit extra work but it, it, it's one of those things that you do for appearances that's all it is it's appearances for me they're interesting i really don't think like i mean maybe maybe the whole interior exterior thing mm -hmm. and the scene heading maybe that's important to like like crew and i think that's why i also do it mm -hmm. is because like i don't like i don't know until i don't do the format until mm -hmm. like like to i don't know until i don't do the format how how important certain things are mm -hmm. but i personally don't know how much of it is yeah. but i think um like like there's a there's a filmmaker who who even mentions like a script doesn't need to be formatted like he also mentions this, and it, I was well, like, "Well, I think it's in relation to like uh, we're it, we're under the assumption, right? You write it, you direct it, right? Is that like, yeah, yeah? So if you're the writer director, if it I'm really doesn't it, matter. But if like, you're just yeah. the writer who's trying to option it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you need you to need format to it for that. yeah, because yeah, like like how is somebody supposed you're, you're to pass off to some pretentious director <laughs> <laughs> mr i don't do the screenplay for me. yeah no that's the most pretentious <laughs> thing i could have said but whatever i don't give a shit yeah you know i'll look back on this and i'll be like tom you piece of shit <laughs> like, like like you're so full of yourself when you did that podcast yeah you know what but you learn it's it's self-love man <laughs> oh goodness man love. third question the <laughs> no, second question second, okay <laughs> what's your favorite memory from feeding the fire oh that's a good one man uh damn honestly i have to i don't know if i can put my like a pinpoint specific favorite memory but i do adore those like rehearsal times yeah if that makes any sense like th there was just something so like, I like the word classic. It just was classic. Like a mm -hmm. couple people meeting, you know, in this like church, just rehearsing, having fun. And I, I think my favorite memory was honestly, there's something that I, so being, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to be a new a type of new age, triple threat mm -hmm. though. People now they've been doing this for the past, I don't know, five years doing the acting, writing, producing, um but i really want to hone those and get them down like sharp uh almost like a, a walt disney and gene kelly like put yeah. together you know um anyways uh the, the my favorite thing i've noticed on my journey right now is when you write something and you've taken the time you've gotten it down and it's to a point you're like dude i'm ready to present this like uh kind of get it out there have a table read and um you hand it out to people just to get ideas and all of a sudden you do like kind of a mock table read and what you hear in your head what you hear in your head and what you feel when you write it oh it like comes out literally on par with like what you heard like what you thought if that makes mm -hmm. any sense like all of a sudden you're out there and, and people are reading it and it's like the emotions you were going for because you haven't you you never know how it's really going to come out right mm. And all it, it just 
you hit the mark. Like, it's just like, it, it's, it's like in here, it's just, it's a thought. That's all it is. It's just a thought. It, it, there's no, uh, actual life or physicality. It's just like, it's, it's a vision in your head. And then you literally watch it evolve and like materialize before you. And I think my favorite part on feeding the fire was literally that night. It was you, me and Darlene. And we, we did an awesome rehearsal and all of a sudden we just kind of, we, we, I forget what sparked it. You might've asked what's your favorite part in the script. And we just went through a couple lines we thought were really witty and like, you know, what's your flavor. And then dude, it just, it skyrocketed. Like we were just like talking about and giving ideas and everybody was so open to just moving in a direction that was like positive. And then we came back and reread like what we talked about. And that same thing came out when it was like, the work you did and put back into like uh writing it it just like it was like you just watched it bloom right then and there yeah. so yeah no i think the the rehearsals are, are really like fun and i i, I just mm. i i uh, uh one of the things i was reading from this filmmaker also was uh and i mentioned this to my to in my last podcast with david i was like saying i was reading a part where where this guy was talking about how you shouldn't have the actor know anything about the story. And this mm. is a weird radical concept to me. I was like, what? Yeah. And and I, I thought I started realizing what he was getting at. And it's like, you don't want the, like, like do not have the actor even know. Don't like you, like I realized that means don't rehearse with them. Don't do mm. anything. Don't even let them read the script. Maybe give, give them their lines at least. <laughs> then they don't know their lines, but <laughs> don't, have them have any impression of where the story goes or where it's been mm -hmm. let them be in the present moment yeah. and and it occurred to me that's part of what makes his films affect me in a way that they do i'm like whoa mm -hmm. it's it's because they're so centered and present and it's like the, because the actors are you're mm -hmm. you're mirroring your mirror neurons are watching these actors and and mm -hmm. getting that and feeding off of them mm. because they don't know what the frick's going on either <laughs> and the reason why one of the reasons why is you don't want the actor to unconsciously be playing something that happens scenes or at the end of the film. Oh uh, yeah. And that happens. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, it's unavoidable if mm -hmm. you think about it and, it and you realize it's like, how do you know when you're not doing it? If you, if you don't really, if you have no barometer of, of if you have no way of, of saying, this is an example of, of knowing the, that you, you just can't prove yeah. the difference. But like, so are you saying like, uh, how you make sure you're not anticipating like part, part like of that people but, anticipating but just, like a scene or but also just keeping this the actor in a state where they depend solely on what you give them as mm. the director and gotcha. you you as a director you are you are the one who has better reign of of the entire thing mm -hmm. now in plays the actor has to um be author of their character but the in film he believes that the director is the author of the film uh, of the characters mm -hmm. and that the actor needs to have total trust in the director to guide them there oh this you know, is and, interesting and then and, and it just seems like this radical concept that i never thought like i i really more i thought of i was like whoa yeah that and and it, it results in if you watch one of his films i recommend watching the mirror that's the deep end film that i watched mm -hmm. the first time and and it's like i it's probably his best it's his best mm -hmm. work yeah yeah that and stalker and and, and slaris Mm -hmm. and it's like you watch these actors and it's like you're immersed 
and time expands. That's what I love so much about his films. Mm. Time expands because time is expanding for the actor. Time expands for you when you don't know what's going on or what, mm. you know, you're so immersed in the present moment. And, and when the actors, when, the, when you're so immersed in what mm. the director is giving you, a director who has full mm. understanding of, the, of what's going on and they know what to yeah. give you to get you where <clears throat> you need to go yeah, and yeah. you just trust them mm. and you go that way. 100 mm-hmm. percent and you have that you go, you're going the right way but mm-hmm. you're also so uncertain of things going on just like in real life yeah like somebody who's like a buddhist and you mm-hmm. watch this person who is so extraordinary versus like normal people who are mm-hmm. so wrapped up in material things and 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 you look at somebody you, you when you look at somebody who has mm-hmm. this presence about them yeah that's what his actors have. That's mm. what ha- works on you when mm-hmm. you watch his films. And and that's what I thought of. Like, I went, when I read that, I was like, shit. Because my actors mm-hmm. are the people who give me feedback. <laughs> so I'm in a <laughs> situation. I can't, I can't have both. So are you, when you say feedback, like feedback on, like, re- like if, if, feed, if I gave you the Feeding the, the fire, you were the uh, director, yeah. actor, writer. But like, so. uh, basically, I, if I give you the script to read to give me feedback, it defeats the purpose. Once you, once you have a subcon, once your subconscious well, or, or unconscious gets a hold of what the story is, mm-hmm. you, re- you hold on to that and you don't realize it because it's invisible. You know what I'm saying? I think so. It's think, it's so subtle, and I think so. T- two points. I think I think you're right in regards to if, uh, um, say you just have actors. They've yeah. never like written in their life, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think I think what you're saying is uh, holds truth in it because uh, it, like any craft, it's like um, like uh, how do I say it? Uh, it, it, it? There's there's certain guidelines, right, or processes you start to develop. Like what well, well, we've talked about this whole conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I wonder though, uh, what's that? Uh, the new uh, Bill Hader show when he's an assassin in a an acting class. Yeah, I saw that. You saw, I saw something about yeah, that. Yeah, what is that? I didn't called? watch the show, uh, but I saw I saw the uh, scene. It's um. Barry something. Yeah, Barry. Yeah, it's like Barry, Barry or something like that. Um, I've heard really good things about it, and I think he like didn't he kind of write or help write that show too. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Hader. It, it was like him and the, yeah, the, yeah his but I, I, what, what I think it's like even if you're the writer, like you you have this, you, you want somebody like like his argument though this filmmaker's argument is that you you want the actors to kind of be an obeyance of what you give them mm-hmm. and, and it's like if they're caught up in in the, the story and the performance in the moment oh yeah it's, it's it's something that is it's 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 one of those things like we we're talking about 80 20 the 80 mm-hmm. percent or the 20 percent. Yeah. this is an example of mm-hmm. getting the I, I after thinking about this for a while i realized this is an example of getting the final 20 percent mm-hmm. this is the 80 percent of the work that gets the last 20%. Mm-hmm. This is perfecting. This is icing on the cake. This is mm-hmm. this is the final run. Yeah. But you know what? I think I, I realize my filmmaking might just probably be I like having actors who I can go to mm-hmm. and give the script to and have them mm-hmm. be so immersed in it and then and then do rehearsals mm-hmm. and and enjoy those rehearsals. Mm-hmm. 
be collaborative in those rehearsals, have everybody mm-hmm. be on the same page of what's yeah. going on and or or try to be mm-hmm. and and like find the page. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and I mean it's just like 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 or or I have a conception of what they think the film is about. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I yeah. think that's that's a sacrifice. That's sacrificing that tw- last twenty percent, in my opinion, for to get what he, that filmmaker who I spot, like I watch yeah. and I like aspire towards in a lot, mm-hmm. lot of regards, or earning from. And I realize that's it's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing the ability to go that last twenty percent. Mm-hmm. But I think the eighty percent is really important. And I think that's you run the risk of losing that eighty mm-hmm. percent if you go that last twenty percent. Because if I if I don't expose mm-hmm. my script to feedback from my actors who are my main source mm-hmm. of feedback right now at least mm-hmm. then i run then i then i lose that you know i, I lose that um the uh what is it the, i lose that mechanism that can yeah. that's a safeguard against shitty stories and shitty mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. getting through and 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 you know not testing them mm-hmm. so that's yeah. important to me and i also um, I think when people can read your script and they believe in it and they understand what it is and they believe in it, they can trust you even. And, yeah. and, and it's less work getting them to trust you. Yeah. Like that's one of the other things about this filmmaker. I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's something that you, you need to, if you can get a good script and people to like it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, that you, and this is another thing, like you, you are kind of bending to the will of other people, mm-hmm. you know, what they like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, this filmmaker believes like you, you are the greatest judge mm-hmm. of your own work. Mm-hmm. Nobody can judge it more, mm-hmm. s- more like ruthlessly than you can. Yeah. And, you know, but if you don't, and if you don't expose it to feedback and that was the other thing, like, like he's like this filmmaker who I, I, I see as like the finest of wines versus um, the, like there's him, which is the finest of wines. And there's the, the filmmaker who is, you know, a commercial filmmaker who's doing mm-hmm. everything that they think the audience wants. Yeah. This is a person who wants, who's the finest of wines, who cares solely on what he believes is the deeper truth in mm-hmm. within, within himself. And I think that's, that might be cutting off from, from feedback from peers. Mm-hmm. Cause you, at that point, you probably think your peers don't see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he was struggling mm-hmm. because I mean, I mean, not not in a in a, a bad sense. Like he, mm-hmm. that was one of the diff. That was the main difficulty. That was one of the the the, the sufferings of mm-hmm. of this act of of an, of an artist who was pursuing mm-hmm. this ideal, this deeper truth. You yeah. know, kind of like pursuing God. You know, like like mm-hmm. this this deeper, you know, this this ideal. Yeah. And when you go the other route which is like Marvel movie or not mm-hmm. I made probably Marvel movies or com- mm-hmm. anything commercial commercial. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's an interesting thing, you know, I, uh, but that's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Other end of the spectrum. I think it's all, it, it depends on, um, and this is just my humble opinion. It's, it's kind of like your taste you're going for, or like whatever d- decision you think you you're trying to, to put out there for the world to see, you know? Cause like, yeah. I always enjoy, uh, one of I, it's in the universe but everyone i talk to they always have a solid opinion of it is like you know batman begins the yeah, dark knight the, yeah, like i love those there's there's certain and i've always questioned like okay where are these how do these they're like uh the the uh rule breakers right they're 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 almost oxymorons of, there, there uh, are filmmakers who shit on those films 
Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a like David Cronenberg hates mm-hmm. him hates hates any any superhero movie hates the Dark Knight series. He really? shits, he says Memento is a great film. It's a great interesting original film. These Batman movies are dog shit, <laughs> or or not that. That's, that's uh, you didn't say that. No, no, I mean that's interesting. But it, it, I'm see see this is I think it's like it's it's almost like you. Uh, you know it's kind of like people say like it's it can be subjective at times because i know i tried i was watching memento dude i i made it halfway through and i was just like i can't yeah you know it it was like it it was one of those it was it was taxing i loved how do i say it i loved how he pushed the envelope Mm -hmm. christopher nolan on that movie and like the, the dynamic and like what he was trying to do and maybe if I go back and I rewatch it, I might actually love, love that yeah, film. If you finished it, you'd understand but, why it was classic, why, why people liked it. But you know, when, it, I know what you mean. Like when I watched just, it, it was like, uh, it, it did have that kind of like, it was very in your head. Like it was a very yeah. kind of, it wasn't like this super emotional thing. It was more in your head. And I think that's another thing. That's another issue. Uh, but, but yeah, like, like, uh, this is like like this is categories of films that this gets into categories of films that are basically what are considered like hardcore art cinema films. Yeah, yeah. And that's what could they be called? Maybe avant garde. Probably. Yeah. That? Okay. You want to call it that? Yeah. Um. Like like this is what like like Martin Scorsese was talking about when it, when he said his controversial thing about Marvel movies. Okay. So can I hop in here real quick? Okay. So one thing I always think about, right. Have you ever seen the Ip Man series? Yes. Exactly. So the thing I love about the Ip Man series and what I would love to know is like one of these guys, what do they think of something like Ip Man where it's like, um, if you look at it, right. You can, you just think of, Oh, it's just a martial arts film. Right. Mm -hmm. Or it's just like, it, it would fall under one of those, but when you go and you listen to these directors and like uh, China, the culture behind martial arts, what it meant to the Chinese, like, yes, it man is the main character, but I think one could also argue that the martial art mm-hmm. itself is a character in it. And when you watch how these things are shot, it's like, they really like the <sighs> choreography and the, the martial art within it almost is it's shot in a way where, it, it is becoming a character, yeah. you know, in that movie. So I think it's... I think... Yeah, like, I know what you mean. You ever seen a Kurosawa film? Maybe. I, I, I recently started binging on a lot of Kurosawa films. And mm-hmm. and you know what? Oh, here... Oh, this is... I'm going to blow your socks off right Okay. <laughs> All right. Basically, um, he had a huge influence on uh, George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And so much that George Lucas Star Wars was actually um it, it started as a rewrite of his film Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Hidden Fortress, um you you realize And there, this was a George Lucas film. No, Hidden no, Fortress. So, so Hidden Fortress was, was a Kurosawa film. Okay, Kurosawa, Kurosawa was mm-hmm. like a like a Japanese director who was like you know big in the 50s 60s mm-hmm. 70s and on and or i think some that that period and, and basically um he or he didn't become big until they brought him over to america or he or he didn't become super big mm-hmm. as he did he became 
so they like like hit George Lucas and 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 what's his name Coppola, you know, mm-hmm. brought him over to America and get and convince uh, I think t- was it Twentieth Century Fox or, or somebody to mm-hmm. you know make his like like uh, distribute their fil- his films over here and then you had Ran, mm-hmm. the movie Ran, which is insane. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, his movies are heavy on like 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 samurai stuff, kind of mm. like martial arts. You're saying, yeah. but, but it's like like you have like this culture that is so unique and alien, and it's like you really want to watch samurai films, go watch a Kurosawa film, The Great, mm-hmm. and that's so many elements of his films, not just from Hidden Fortress, but Hidden Fortress was the bedrock for Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, and mythology from mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell's mythology research, um, Hidden Fortress from Kurosawa, and a lot of mm-hmm. Kurosawa films had influence on George Lucas, and not just, not to mention that the temp music, which was from s- multiple classic mm-hmm. symphonies at the time, The Planets by somebody, and then and then Stravinsky's uh, The Rite of Spring, they were pl- they were temp tracks mm-hmm. that. George, either George, John Williams or George Lucas fell in love with, and I think either George Lucas told John mm-hmm. Williams, I want something like this. And then he basically changed it. But if you listen to these original classic, mm-hmm. like over like over classic symphonies over the Star Wars, it's like, holy shit. They they stole that be, shit. Yeah. They stole that shit. <laughs> so that's why the music was so classic. It mm-hmm. wasn't original. I just spit on this shit. Very good. Uh, but yeah, like, um, so that's one thing. You have mythology, which is these deep, meaningful archetypes and symbols and that have been carried on through centuries mm-hmm. that people like 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 think we've evolved out of no we haven't yeah. they're stronger than mm-hmm. any of the any yeah. rational ideas that we can mm-hmm. come up with now yeah these things have been around for centuries mm-hmm. you know rational thinking has been around for for uh, i don't know how I, I have no idea <laughs> not off the top of my well, head right now yeah, but yeah. you know there's something primal about it it's like the, it, yeah. the myths could I've thought about it like those themes. It's almost like the themes are they come from like the primitive animal nature yeah. of ourselves, you know. So you're um, you're aware of them. You're you're familiar with like 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 probably the power of myth or like the writer's journey or something like books like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I can't say I've read specifically. I think what I'm grabbing from you, like mytho- uh, mythology, it's uh, it's almost like a. Uh, I mean, I guess what I'm going to throw out here is like universal truths. Yeah, basically. You know. Yeah. So. And and and, and like here's an example. Like 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 Obi Wan represents the 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 you know wise old wizard man okay yeah i know these um, yeah the archetype uh, characters of every yeah story. there's the prince uh, princess um who represents i guess uh i forget um the, and, and 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 you basically like all these characters kind of represent some kind of mythical archetype in a way mm-hmm. and also the ancient religion of the force in the, these movies mm-hmm. is basically like a analogy to pretty much everything that religion and all of like theology and and all of like Mm -hmm. mythology has been trying to grapple with 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 like the deeper meanings of our existence and Mm -hmm. the interconnectedness and what we don't understand about the universe it manifests itself in a way that is in this sci-fi world that is something that we haven't explored yet which is the the frontiers of space Mm -hmm. at the time and 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 that and that's that was the big appeal. There was also the, the incredible special effects. Mm-hmm. So you have the special effects, the music, 
um, based on s classic symphonies. <laughs> um, you have mythology that was becoming very popular at the time. The Power of Myth, Joseph Campbell's like television show became huge. One of the biggest television shows oh, wow. at the time when it came out. I have it. I, I recently got it for, for on like I, I, Apple TV. You can get it for like, for like twelve, like twelve bucks. Oh, nice. check it out. Yeah. Um, okay. And I, I'll tell you about it later. Like I'll, I'll show you. Um. And then basically, um, you also have. Uh, it, it started as a rewrite of the mm -hmm. Hidden Fortress, or like like that was, or, or an allegory to that film. Yeah. And, and and you see it in in you you see so many of the characters, or several of the characters you see, C three PO and R two D two. They were basically like beggars mm -hmm. who get caught up in this big adventure, mm -hmm. who like 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 unwittingly get caught up in this. Like they're yeah. they're lower class people who mm -hmm. get like swept up in all these different things, and it's like. If you really abstract a little bit, you see so many point, plot points from out throughout the movies, and then you also mm -hmm. see like there's a horse race, which is the speeder race, like the speeders mm -hmm. in in like the third movie, the like th or the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. sixth movie, um, like uh, like the Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. You see the duel between Obi Wan and, and and Darth Vader, which is basically the duel between this guy and and uh, and, and and his this other guy, and you, the, the Darth Vader character is there, and and the and the the plot the backstory behind like him being e like like, like mm -hmm. turning to the dark side or whatever like or, or you're turning to the wrong side basically mm -hmm. in this world and, and it's like you see that that's there and you realize that's where George Lucas thought mm -hmm. of let's have Darth Vader this tragic character and and it started he started with him before you have that tragedy where he goes mm -hmm. and turns to the dark side and all that. You start with him as a dark side, as, and that's the best way to start with it. Mm -hmm. But he realized, you know, there's also that backstory that in the movie that doesn't, the, or Kurosawa film, it doesn't really explore it, but you, it, it touches on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And 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 in, you know, the prequels, he's like, oh, I'm going to explore this. And that's what George Lucas did. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just interesting. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of realize um, from as much as I, like, obsess over this because I'm like, this is the example of the most successful franchise film franchise in history mm -hmm. but i think uh i think that the alec guinness the the, the actor who played the original obi-wan in mm -hmm. a new hope and 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 the you know the following films um the great alec guinness who mm -hmm. won oscars for on the bridge uh, the bridge to on river the river kwai and all these mm -hmm. you know like he he did such tremendous work he was a shakespearean actor you know mm -hmm. i think and and he he did incredible works and and such respectable works and and mm -hmm. what he ended up becoming most known for throughout his history throughout his life was the film that he didn't really enjoy making <laughs> he said he even in 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 like news articles mm -hmm. mentioned after the fact like it brings shivers down my spine whenever that film is mentioned <laughs> really like there was a kid there's a story i love this story about uh, alec Guinness about a kid like coming with, with his mom to see him like like a huge fan like he's got a lightsaber i think mm -hmm. and or something and and he's either dressed up as i forget he's dressed up as obi-wan maybe i forget but he he basically goes up with his mom and he's like like molly molly like and, and his mom introduces him and he's like he's he loves you like like your film is everything and and he and he's like she's like go tell him he's like i've seen your i've seen star wars a hundred times and alec has said like his heart sank because he knew what he had to say next and he said to the kid well young one like like or so whatever you know um i'm gonna ask you to do me a favor um 
and he's like he's like yes anything anything out mr sherlock guinness or obi-wan Obi you know <laughs> and, and and he's like this young kid he's like so excited to meet his hero and he's like well you're not gonna like what i'm gonna ask you to do and he's like anything anything mr obi-wan <laughs> and he's like um well would you promise me never to watch star wars ever again <laughs> was pissed yeah <laughs> and she's like how dare you say that how dare you say that to my little boy yeah and he's like the reason he said that is because he saw when this kid said i've seen a star wars a hundred times he's he just pictured this young boy growing up to be 30 to be still living in a fantasy world and that's so true he at, at first when Star Wars came out, he's like, oh, that was refreshing. That was, like when he was first making yeah. it, he hated it. Like he was like there was there was footage from from mm -hmm. like 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 scenes like on set where he, like like there like outtakes where they were like George like like Harrison Ford and 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 what's his name plays Luke? Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, uh Joker. Mark guy. Hamill. Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah. They they obviously screwed up the take, but like like the the take was botched. But they just kept playing with it just to be funny because this yeah. was their first big film, big yeah. Hollywood film. Mm -hmm. So they were just excited to be there. And this is Alec Guinness, who's been on like like Oscar winning films, who's mm -hmm. been like who's done great respectable work, and he's here hating every second of it. And you can tell he's just trying to be professional, and get through the take, and and it's like they're just joking and like he's like mark hamill's bumping into him and you yeah. just see like the straight look on his face like 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 uh, on alkinus's face like and he goes through the lines he go he's just going through the motions but it's like his performance is better than anybody in the films yeah like you watch like when he's like like when when he's like i don't who who's like i don't know this i've never heard of a ben like an old like like ben obi-wan kenobi i've i knew ben kenobi or like that's a name I haven't heard in like million, like like in so like in so many years or whatever, but it, like you can see it's like almost like PTSD. Like like people like made a <laughs> made a, a like a, a like a <laughs> there's a, a video called Obi Wan has PTSD, and and basically somebody like cut intercut like scenes from a New Hope where he's mm -hmm. like reacting and and saying like telling these stories like an old wise mm -hmm. philosopher. And and you see why he how he really brought he brought up the caliber mm -hmm. of the acting being in that film because uh, it's like mm -hmm. he was just he was just you know not even trying but he was mm -hmm. he was killing it it was slight and in like in com like in comparison to everybody mm -hmm. else but like or in, in 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 the film it's like he he was just people will say like like in, in the video like like the, it cuts from that film to like scenes from the prequels that george mm -hmm. lucas hadn't even made or even thought yeah. up yet and, and people were like in the comments put it accurately like alec guinness was acting was playing the prequels before they even existed <laughs> like like it's like he had like he has this inner world that wasn't even on celluloid yet or digital yet mm -hmm. but um yeah no it's like it's uh, yeah it's just it's 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 fascinating and just that he hated it and and uh i think um i think that's like going back we were talking earlier um and uh i know i know there's like a couple other things you want to ask um it was uh 
kind of when I went back to it, I think it's important to almost, you know, it, like enjoy the process, you know, don't, don't put yourself through too much suffering. Cause yeah. it's like, that's irony at its finest, oh, I guess right? I'm just being extreme like for, for theatrics. And... Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, the guy, like the, the project he disliked the most ends up becoming the thing. Oh, he He'll be like, yeah, dude. 80 million. <laughs> Like yeah, man. Like he he made not only did he make his livelihood, but then that's what he ended up becoming known for, man. Yeah. You know, like and then that's the bane of your existence. <laughs> what a way. But yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh. But I think like I think what maybe if he did miss something, it's that the reason why that was so successful is it was so rooted in in these things that are age old traditions, yeah. age old symbols, things that are the reason the Bible and, and, and religions are so like prominent. And I, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson lately. So, like I'm listening to a lot of his lectures. Um, mm -hmm. And just, it's been eye opening. Like I've, I've ever since I like started getting, like figuring out my writing process, excuse mm -hmm. me, the book, um, the war of art, not the uh, art yeah. of war, the war of art by, war by, uh, something Preston, mm -hmm. Stephen Preston, or something like that, and he, you know, his thing on it, like, like you, if you want to take your art to the next level, pray before you write, and 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 be like, see it as like you're 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 giving unto a sacrifice to the gods as you, and that's mm -hmm. where this kind of idea originated for me, where I realized started realizing it, and then when I started doing that, that's I pumped out a four hundred page manuscript. It was garbage, but I didn't care. Still, yeah, I, I had this new sense of. I'm going to do what it takes, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard at it and it's not always going to pan out, mm -hmm. but you know, you have to invest, you have to, you have to put in the time, you have to put in mm -hmm. the blood, sweat and tears yeah. to make it work. And that's how good writing happens. And mm -hmm. that's, and that's, and, and you know, although that manuscript didn't work mm -hmm. and I reread it recently, I'm like, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, an idea of what that originally was supposed to be in my head mm -hmm. has come to light. And that's where I've, mm -hmm see another feature film down the line where I can mm -hmm. work it in and, and make it work. Mm -hmm. So that's, so I have no grievance about it, but you know, over time, like that's how my writing process like started to take shape where I was like, I'm starting to figure it out now. Mm -hmm. Like it's about, you know, you just have to accept, um, suffering. Yeah. Like that you're going to suffer. And, yeah. and that's, that's one of the things that I was learning in Jordan Peterson's thing is, um, that's one of the main symbols of, of religion. And, yeah. and it's like, the well, it's Jesus like he... figure was, sorry. This, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I don't want to lose this. The Jesus figure and, and Buddha are the same character in a way. They're the same archetype, the same, um, you know, person in a way. Like they, there's, they, they went through the same trials. They're just different from different mm -hmm. world views yeah. and stuff. And, and from different like places. And, yeah. and basically, they're they're both people who are considered infinitely successful successful in an infinite number of dominance hierarchies which is what hero figures are, are representative of which is you know we, we we watch heroes in movies and all this stuff and, mm -hmm. and and in culture because we want to learn how to emulate mm -hmm. heroic behaviors and heroic behaviors are desirable behaviors they're they're yeah. behaviors that that succeed well in dominance mm -hmm. hierarchies or in which you know that's what we all strive to do is to succeed in dominance hierarchies and that's like if you if you have a wolf 
out in the wilderness you know that wolf is going you want if they want to have a dominance hierarchy of of you know eating the other animals or whatever you know and succeeding mm-hmm. that way well what if you well well what about when you realize that there's also the dominance hierarchy of um being in a wolf pack mm-hmm. uh like like there's strength in numbers yeah so there's another dominance you want to break that down real quick yeah, dominance yeah. hierarchy basically basically you know you you're not conscious of it at, you don't have to be con- mm-hmm. it's it's not a conscious thing it, it, yeah. it started evolutionarily like 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 this thing that you're mm-hmm. just aware of innately mm-hmm. you become aware of where your place is in the dominance hierarchy who who is above you in power mm-hmm. who is below you uh, who do gotcha. you crap on who do you mm-hmm. you know you know bow Praise. down to you mm-hmm. know yeah um and and like 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 a Jordan Peterson uses the example of the lobster. Well, the lobster uses like the, s- the same kind of dopamine, serotonin, mm-hmm. um, you know, releases of, of, of you know, chemicals that mm-hmm. we do. Um, and what happens when, you know, they are feeling dominant is they, they become very big. Mm. And, and when they feel threatened, they become small. Mm. And that's one of the re- rules in his book, 12 Rules for Life is you know, stand up straight with your, 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 your mm. shoulders back. Yeah. Appear big because what you're doing is you're tricking, mm-hmm. you're actually doing a thing to trick the dominance hierarchy, the subconscious mm-hmm. diet, yeah. dominance hierarchy. When people see you and you, you appear kind of small, mm-hmm. they, people pick up on that. Yeah. They realize that you're vulnerable mm. and they start to hone in on you and they start to mess with you i'm gonna push you around <laughs> you little piece of crap you know, you know what i mean people people you're it, just a sec you have to be me. careful about your posture yeah. your posture is a great way of 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 showing the world this is where i am mm-hmm. this is who i am to everybody else this is mm-hmm. where i exist in the hierarchy but if you appear confident mm-hmm. even if you're not on the inside like yeah, even if yeah. you're scared shitless mm-hmm. if you can find a way to appear confident mm-hmm. and sell it and be bold mm-hmm. then you can actually trick other people who are confident on the inside to think, oh, well, maybe I should be, maybe I should appear small, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a dominant. That's that's an example of a dominance hierarchy, and, and in, a, in a small in a, a small sense. And if you want to learn more, I, I recommend yeah, Jordan yeah. Peterson's work. Is is I'm learning about his lectures. They're on. Uh, <laughs> they've been ta- a lot of them have been taken down from Spotify and all these podcasting platforms. But I found them on. Uh, they're still a lot, the earlier ones that I'm on right now are on. Yeah. Um, what is it called? Uh, SoundCloud. But but what's uh, inter- is is he getting controversial or why would they take him? No, to- I think it's just because there's so many. They're, oh, they're gotcha. saving space. Gotcha. I, I don't know why. But so he's still on there. Yeah, but yeah, it's just yeah. Recent it's just mo- yeah. But I want to watch all of them because I'm like, oh, why didn't I know about this before? And so, but yeah, like I've been watching his YouTube videos forever, and I'm like, I want to start watching them in full. And I'm, now I'm mm-hmm. finding them. I'm like, shit, they took them down. From those platforms i hope they don't take them down from soundcloud but anyway you know like like so you have like that dominance hierarchy and it's like if it, you 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 have these dominance hierarchies of like this is this is a world where you want to be on top you want you want to rise to the the hierarchy mm-hmm. of power that's what it is yeah and there's so many different it's it's a multi-dimensional thing there's so many mm-hmm. different hierarchies and really what like heroes are is an example of how to you know succeed in a dominant mm-hmm. certain dominance hierarchy or several jesus buddha these real these like son of man religious figures are mm-hmm. basically the ultimate figure 
the mm-hmm. ultimate heroic figure, the ultimate like uh, an example of how to succeed in infinite dominance mm-hmm. hierarchies. And that is yeah. to be this compassionate person who people can respect, mm-hmm. who, who who does the right thing and, and says does the truth tells the truth and and mm-hmm. who who can be followed and who will embrace suffering mm-hmm. you know i just think that's so fascinating and I'm, i've just been learning about that and i was i was listening to this podcast as i was putting this together this whole background <laughs> and uh i think uh, i whenever i listen to like information as i'm doing some kind of creative task later if i'm writing later it, my writing is shot and it got shot that night but uh mm-hmm. it was worth it <laughs> but yeah yeah man i think um i don't know how i got on this tangent but yeah like yeah. it's just uh, it's just been so endlessly fascinating to me yeah but yeah jordan peterson like the dude man, the dude interesting man he's on to like another level yeah. i don't know yeah he's one of those people Genius where of his craft i guess he he just he's studied all these people who came before him and know things mm-hmm. and i'm just like I want to learn as much as I can from this guy. Yeah. So I can yeah. rise those dominance hierarchies. <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, if you, if, I don't know if you have time. Like I wanted to go over some other questions just to go through them. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we're actually, mind if we try to just quickly breeze yeah, through them. Yeah, yeah, we're actually awesome. We're actually two and a half. No, two two hours and five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm this. not sure. Uh, hopefully, people will. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what I what I plan to do two with this podcast is is. The podcast. I, I don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts in full. Yeah. This was a pretty good podcast, though. I, yeah. I, I, I don't say oh, so yeah. myself. Yeah. I feel like we just cut. We're, we were constantly on it, talking exactly. about interesting things. I think there's juicy like topics in there too that people yeah. will find fruitful to listen to. So. And but but um, the thing with this is, I'm not so much interested totally in, in making full podcasts. Although I do mm-hmm. want that to happen. I want great full podcasts. Because uh, but I, I mainly. I, I listen to most podcasts, or at least I have for the last year or several years. I used to listen to them all the time, full podcasts, but then I, I went to just watching clips on YouTube all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like Joe Rogan, all these different mm-hmm. things. And that's where I got the idea. I'm like, I just want to do this so I can put clips on YouTube. And yeah. I, I love watching, mm-hmm. finding clips on YouTube that are in the middle of conversation. Yeah. And, and it's very impro- like impromptu conversation mm-hmm. where things are just going all over the road. Yeah. And then you, because you're going wherever you want, mm-hmm. where you instinct instinctively want, you're just going wherever the conversation goes and you're free, mm-hmm. you go to these interesting places and that yeah. becomes a great clip in itself. And that's mm-hmm. what this is about. That's what my mission is to do mm-hmm. with this podcast is to basically come up with really cool clips, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. We're finally acknowledging the audience. <laughs> I know. What's up, guys? <laughs> if you made it this far, you're... A genius. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, yeah, no, that's the mission with the podcast. And um, yeah. Uh, uh, Those you questions. Know, yeah. Wanna, yeah, let's get. So other question was, uh, well, I guess this is probably a, a loaded one. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe we could save it for a part two. Oh. Oh. Because I, I, I think... But I mean, it was it was gonna be what? How did you get started with acting? <laughs> okay. Save it for a part two. <laughs> yeah, that might be the part two. I, I, dude, I had like like uh, one of the things Tim Ferriss says about podcasts or interviews. Mm-hmm. He'll have five questions prepared, uh, okay. and that's it. 
Like, mm-hmm. he'll actually start with five questions, and that's all the preparation he does usually. Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I think he does, like, research, of course, mm-hmm. you know, on the, the guest or whatever, I think. I'm sure he does. Um, I don't listen to him as much as I do, I used to, but mm-hmm. I, 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 would, I, I probably should listen to him more. Yeah. Um, I think ever since he wrote his books, basically summarizing all of his podcasts, like 200-plus mm-hmm. podcasts, I was yeah. like, really? I could have just waited till the book came out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I spent all those <laughs> Would thousands you have of hours. the experience? But also, I think it was because, like, what I explained earlier, where I was listening to that pod, that the the, the lectures of the, mm-hmm. of Jordan Peterson and working on something like this. What happens is when I listen to full podcasts, is I found that that kind of negatively affected my writing routine. Mm-hmm. Like, I just felt like I wasn't if it if if I'm going to listen to like something really long term uh actually no not not at all like 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 i have to chop it up into bits because if i don't what's going to happen is i'm going to push my brain into overdrive and deplete the energy that it should be spent on writing and and things that are of Mm -hmm. substance and and important and i think um yeah that's what that's why i kind of for years stopped listening to full Mm -hmm. podcasts and and kind of went to just clips on youtube and and Mm -hmm watching those and and allowing my inner my my curiosity to just run wild because when you have clips yeah. on youtube you mm-hmm. get to you don't have to spend that much invest that much time and mm-hmm. energy and concentration yeah. mm-hmm. with a podcast you're like you don't even know what you're getting into yeah. you, you might not even mm-hmm. like any of it mm-hmm. and if you if you commit two hours of your day or four mm-hmm. to a podcast yeah. and you didn't enjoy any of it or find any of it useful to you at the moment, yeah. or maybe you did, but you were just so ex- just spent mm-hmm. trying to concentrate through all the boring crap mm-hmm. that you miss the good stuff. Or it's like, for me, that's what that it was cutting full podcasts out that allowed me to kind of be more effective with writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, yeah. And, and creativity and and so i yeah i, I don't that's why yeah, you're i don't choosing listen. what you need you know yeah you mind if i ask you how many just because current state of things mm-hmm. maybe it might be worth just biting the bullet and going through the rest so we have it mm-hmm. uh how many other questions do oh, you have three others but three it, others yeah like okay. i mean they were like very broad like they, they kind of branched out oh okay. i mean i'd love to like hang out again mm-hmm. and do another podcast because i feel yeah. like i feel like we we kind of just have a lot to discuss yeah yeah i do i feel and like it's easy too. to just talk with you because we mm-hmm. can just like go in any freaking direction we want to yeah, yeah writers no. and mm-hmm. i feel like we I can connect a lot when you you're know, a writer for... you have like mm-hmm. like like fellow writers you know you have this ability to just mm-hmm. think yeah clearly that mm-hmm. you know it only happens when you clear, spend a lot of yeah. time writing mm-hmm. Yo, I think uh i think we should like answer this maybe this question here because i feel like uh it, How'd you begin acting? Yeah. Was that it? And then uh, just see where that takes us and then maybe call it after that. Yeah. You said the other questions get a little more broader. Yeah. yeah. So um, just because, yeah, I'd, I'd hate, I think we were going to hit some juicy areas here and I'd hate to cut it short and yeah, then, no. you know, world ends and then we never get the, oh, you no. know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, uh, shucks. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so, um, okay. Yeah. That's a good question. It was how I get it. How did I get into acting? Yeah. right okay let me you know uh okay so funny story right um so when me uh-huh. and my brothers <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. funny story mark <laughs> yeah uh my sorry <laughs> no that's fine my siblings and i we uh 
So we used to watch, right? We would watch these movies when we were younger, and all of us would choose, like, uh, we'd pick a character we'd want to be. Oh, that's me. Or, yeah. okay, you're that one, you know, right? And we would just have fun, almost like we're vicariously living through these heroes, right? Mm. I think, though, when it came down to, uh, if I'm going to give the more, um, I guess, literal answer, it was, uh, you know, I always had a curiosity about, like, entertainment, film, acting, uh, throughout high school, stuff like that. Uh, the earliest thing I did is I actually, I played... Um, indiana jones in my friend's like little movie thing that was kind of the the breaking the ice but when it came to like going to college and whatnot i kind of was down to three options it was uh an environmental engineer uh my uncle was on the swat team so either going to the police and i really wanted to go on swat or uh entertainment and then secretly try you know seeing acting and stuff like that uh so i realized i suck at math so environmental <laughs> engineering was out i ended up reading an article on hostage situations about the swat and they said there's gonna you're going to have to brace yourself when things don't go your way and that's you, you know it's not on you it's not on any and i was like okay i don't know if i could actually <laughs> handle the responsibility that's so oh. yeah so i was like you know, but if I do entertainment, I can still be the, you know, heroic SWAT guy, but I don't need to worry about, like, somebody dying. <laughs> exactly, the engineer. I can be all these things. But you can be the engineer thing. who, like, like gets us to, like, Mars or something. Exactly. You can't do that in real life. No, <laughs> so, kind of the burdens Depends. of responsibility were, like, lifted off. Um, and as we're going around, that's kind of how I got into it. And, you know, funny enough, so... Funny enough, right, with that mindset, I started, I always had this trouble, went to, you know, went to college, studied entertainment, uh, uh, media, film, took a, acting electives, uh, really fun stuff, great stuff, but I always had this trouble of, uh, what is it called, like, taking myself serious in society, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. like, I kind of felt like yeah. a clown, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're the town clown, you know, and, uh, Especially because my dad, his background's in medicine, right? So I always like, I, you know, when I would think about my dad, I'm like, dang, like he's really, he's doing something, you know, the guy goes yeah. in like people, you know, uh, he specifically was like a doctor. So he was helping people. And then I would think about myself and I'm like, I play pretend, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like my so, dad <laughs> so, uh, there was this contradiction that started happening, but if there's one thing I could say, especially now, just in the context of, like, when we're living, like, there's so much more, I think, uh, people that end up in our positions have so much more play and power on society as a whole, that it's almost like it happens subconsciously, and it's actually given myself a lot more respect for the our related crafts whether it's acting writing this and that because ultimately when people see it's like literally it's exactly what we just talked about right uh the mythological arc archetype characters mm -hmm. right people i think like on a very primitive level people constantly want to look better for themselves and an interesting thing and this is just my humble opinion um being an artist in this field i think what's happened in especially with cinema right now mm -hmm. acting is a lot of negatives are played if that makes sense or stories like the stories are you know 
how do I say it? Like people, people make fun of Disney, the Disney, like the original, original Disney stories, like uh, what we said, Pinocchio, Mm -hmm. Bambi, even some of the earlier stuff, Tarzan. Oh, it's the Disney ending, right? It's happy. But I think the interesting thing, and I, I, I've, I've, I've been thinking about this recently, and I'd love to take the time to like look into it more, is seeing when, uh, what was considered the golden ages of America, how did that correlate to when Disney rose to, you know, power in Hollywood, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is it coincidence, or did they both happen? Did one happen and then the other follow, right? Did Mickey Mouse? come out and then that gave people hope and then people on a much larger level just started doing better you know that's kind of my question but i don't really know the timelines all that well because my history sucks (laughs) right now i think it's a bit of a chicken and the egg thing like i don't know like i mean it's like i think it's a bit of both here's the crazy thing dude i was i've been reading this uh this book it's uh it's a classic one of those ever gave the guy's name's pat but he wrote on disney right I didn't know the profoundness Mickey Mouse had mm. on people during that time. Like people, when World War II broke out, American soldiers, even English soldiers, would put Mickey Mouse on their helmets to give them hope that they were going to get through on the other side. Like, I mean, it's, dude, just just digest that for a second. <laughs> people are going, men, brute men who need to go to war who know they're probably going to get mowed down, are putting a cartoon mouse on their helmet because it gave them the little extra courage they needed to go do arguably the one of the most terrifying deeds during one of the most terrifying times in modern human history, man. It just uh, illustrates the power of symbols, you know? Yeah, it's symbols. And um, that's what, you know, and I think like what we do is like as writers, we create those symbols. And then as being actors you live those symbols like you bring those to life Mm -hmm. right and you almost become the living embodiment of it and i this is where i've really i think recently power becomes a great responsibility (laughs) exactly and honestly man like it has been the past few i think just because the world has stopped you get time to think this and that but also seeing what this immense power can start to you know it's the uh, the ripple effect of what ends up being put out there can truly ultimately, you know, change the course or how it starts to affect people. You know, I, I think of recently, I think a lot of stories and I could go, you know, the mentor uh, I have right now at, um, you know, the school I was going to for acting like I, I've we could probably have this conversation all night, but I, I truly believe I think recently a lot of art has become more it's funny like almost like what you were talking about is it's almost become so much about like kind of suffering or the you know the the aspects of like i'm not good enough or something some type of um i don't know how to talk say like uh adversary in the terms of like uh i always i go back to a uh line one of my uh mentors gave me it was as an actor like always play the positive don't play the negative and i didn't really understand this until like recently when i was going to playhouse west was when people you know we go you go back you prepare right Mm -hmm. you're about to come on for an entrance entrance to a scene 
and you got to choose like it and for the sake of this argument right say the scene is heartbreak what i noticed um when i listened to a lot of my peers and what i originally started doing and now i've 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 shifted a little bit was all of a sudden the first thing that pops into your head is pain mm -hmm. heartbreak right pain you're crying it it, it hurts but I realized, and, and then that's how you would pre prepare. Like, think of something that's going to make you cry, like dead puppies or dead, right? It, like these crazy Kicking dogs. dead puppies. Kicking dead puppies, that's, right? No, that's terrible. And, uh, but that's, what I realize is that's negative though, right? Mm -hmm. Pain's negative. But really, when you start to reverse engineer pain, and it's going back to everything we talked about, what is pain really? Pain well, is, I can get into this. right? Pain is love. It's the opposite. It's hope. It's joy. But it's like the absence of these things. So what I started realizing is now when I go to prepare, like I think of the things I love. And it, there was this, this weird thing's been happening to me recently where like I, I literally think some of the greatest acting isn't it, it, it's it, it is technique. But when you break it down in its raw essence, it's literally unconditional love. Because if you love something so much. You love it so much, it will bring you to tears. And, like, I'm dead serious. It will bring you to tears. And what I've realized is when I watch the art in the cinema where we're at now, there's so much emphasis on the, the negative, the suffering, that I think the actual love, the stuff like Mickey Mouse, what Mickey Mouse stands for, it's kind of getting lost. Mm -hmm. And I think you see this, just look at us as... Uh, Look at look at our generation, right? People people just don't hold down their personal relationships. It, whether you want to just put it in context of romantic love, uh, people are more distant than ever before. It's like uh, and normally what I what I was thinking is is a lot of ways we we will talk about this like oh it's technology, but is is it not? A, it does it go further than technology? Yes, that's one facet, things. but is it also like kind of how we've been putting out throughout the whatever it is the 50 60 70 years of cinema and artists that there's been a almost like a de-evolution of the the condition we explore as artists if that makes any yeah. sense you know it's just um, people becoming more selfish and self-centered and, mm -hmm. and really not focusing on others as much exactly yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that and i think that's where so when I think now, coming back to bring the conversation f fully circle with the at least the question you posed recently, like, how did you come to oh. acting? I think now, like, because it's always that love hate, right? You're kind of you're in it, you're out of it. Whether it's like uh, every art you do, because you you have you have good moments, you have bad, but especially now recently, after reading this purpose driven life, this uh, doing the getting the tunnel vision, going through the hard work, like why I come back to acting now and why, and if you want to even put writing on top of that, producing, it's like, I really, I found the purpose I want to do with it, which is like bring back that essence of, you know, love, hope, like things that get, that literally have gotten humanity through the worst circumstances. Um, and just really like trying to manifest that through the stories I write and then those bringing those stories actually embodying them and then bringing them to life on like a, a, a bigger picture as like an actor, right?
because you kind of become that that symbol, the living embodiment. So yeah, yeah. Man, I couldn't think of a better way to end. That's <laughs> fucking <Exactly>. deep. <laughs> Fucking hit only hard, here mm-hmm. on the Thomas Prophet podcast. I, could, man. I, I mean, I could I could mm-hmm. go on and talk about things, but I think we wrap it up there. Mm-hmm. Put a bow on it. Put a bow on you it. Put the bow like on it, it. man. Mm-hmm. You crushed it. <laughs> anyway, hey. I, I man, I appreciate you having doing the second podcast. Oh, yeah, with me. of course, man. Thanks, my man. Thank you for inviting me. I had a blast doing yeah, this, man. man. Dude, holy Please. crap! This is a, yeah. this was a fun freaking podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hey, um, stay Gucci. Catch you later on the mm-hmm. Tom Prophet podcast, unless mm-hmm. I change the name. Yep. Later. Later, guys. <laughs> stay Gucci. <laughs> Please save correct. Thanks for listening or watching. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. For notes and links to things mentioned on the show, my films, the video version of the podcast, or select the clips from each episode, go to profitableproductions.com backslash podcast. Profitable is spelled like my name with two F's, two T's. Also, for updates on future episodes, follow me on Instagram at Tom Profit Take and at Profitable Productions. Thanks again. Catch you on the next take.